Hi, hello, welcome back to Passive Pixels, the first podcast that tells you please don't listen to pretty much any of this, actually. I was going to say skip to timestamps and enjoy the podcast as you will, but no, at the last second I decided, no, you just probably shouldn't listen to this. Dorian, I would ask you how you feel, how was your day, etc., etc., but both of our lists are terrible that I feel like that might be a waste of time. Yeah, I agree. All right, perfect. Uh, Table of contents, let's go. Uh, I've got Full Metal Jacket, First Blood. Voice of Cards, Hitman, Shiva Baby, Doctor Strangelove, In the Mood for Love, The Tree of Life, The Outsiders, Jarhead, How I Met Your Father, Abroxia, Astral Chain, Scott Pilgrim, Howl's Moving Castle, Overcooked, Speed, Speed 2 Cruise Control, Final Fantasy 4, Princess Mononoke, Willy Wonka, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Brady Bunch Movie, and X-Men First Class. Ah! Well, not to one-up you, but I've got Valhalla. Deathloop, The Last Guardian, Cuphead, Trails in the Sky, Second Chapter, Cowboy Bebop, Old Boy, Redline, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes, The Tragedy of Macbeth, Blue Velvet, Mulhun Drive, The Apartment, Shiva Baby, Apocalypse Now, Dread, Ladybird, Looper, Nobody, Sin City, Akira, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Dune, Sing Street, (laughs) Dunkirk, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, and Train to Busan. Okay, so at least unedited. That was a minute and 30 seconds. And usually our intros are like two minutes, 30 seconds. So we already saved saved a minute. Time already, baby. Jesus. Okay, get Weeb Tribe out of the way. Let's go. Yeah, okay. So let me get all this Weeb shit out of the way first. Uh, Some of it I like, some of it not so much. Uh, We'll start at the top here of my list, though. That's Valhalla, a cyberpunk bartender story. I'm probably saying it wrong. Uh, Look. Here's the thing, I actually do like this game. Uh, really chill, just a slightly too horny uh, visual novel about uh, life, bartending, and a good time. Um, honestly, I wouldn't normally go in. Weeb trial, definitely. What's that? Weeb trial, definitely. Yeah, weeb trial material for sure. Um, I would actually go into more detail normally about it, but a friend of the show, of course, Straw Mr. Straw who was on here for the 13 Sentinels podcast. Um, he's mm-hmm. going to be doing actually a pretty in-depth podcast about this with a bunch of us that I should be on as well. So I will save more of my thoughts for there and just, you know, it's a better spending for it. But overall, I really enjoyed this game. I think it's worth your time if you like that sort of thing. And yeah, it's cool. You know what? Beef is really good for numbers. So I'm just going to cut that out so then we don't give Straw Hat any <laughs> advertisement whatsoever. Straw Hat, we're beefing now. We have no reason to beef. Uh, maybe we'll figure it out later in a boxing match that we sell for millions of dollars on YouTube. Okay, you're saying you're saying cutting that out, but can you just like beep it instead? Like just have like a loud beep go over it, except for the straw hat part, so he'll listen and wonder. Like you'll hear that, but everything else will be beeped out because I think it'd be amazing. I don't know how hard that would be. To edit what out. if I just add a tiny beep in the name Straw Hat? Like whenever you try to beep <laughs> someone's name on Twitter, where you just add a star so they can't be searched. What if it's just yeah. like <laughs> hat? I love it. All right, we're already going too far on that though. So yeah, but uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Stop second. Uh, Val, Valhalla, but, I tried this on Switch a while back, and I was like, ooh, this is actually kind of cool. But then when I realized that the gameplay was mixing drinks, I was like, I kind of don't care. And then I moved on. Cool. All right. So, yeah, I give it a 7 out of 10, by the way. Uh, I give it an alcoholic out of 10. Um, what do I have for... You know what? Uh, How I Met Your Father is going to be a weave trial. Uh, How I Met Your Father is actually fucking terrible. Um, the I actually counted it. It was six seconds before I gave up. And the reason why it was six seconds is that... 
as soon as the episode started, it played the theme from How I Met Your Mother, and I was like, you're already fucking up. And then the, like, the ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, it kicked in, but it was female vocals this oh. time, and all of it felt so... I was like, I started seething. I actually, I yelled at the team. I was like, no! Like, <laughs> The, uh, the writing is fucking terrible. How, how people perceive How I Met Your Mother when it was on CBS, what that perception was, that's How I Met Your Father. That's what that show is. The show fucking sucks. I watched two episodes, and honestly, I checked out after those six seconds. I'm not even joking. I completely gave up. Yeah, I'm tempted. I was tempted to watch this just so I could bitch about it with you, but I also apparently value my time slightly more than yours, so I didn't here's the thing here's the thing the only reason i did it is because my wife was threatening to torture me by watching it and i was like jokes on you bitch i'll watch it too <laughs> is she out too oh i have no idea oh, okay. i didn't even ask All her right. i didn't I, I didn't want to hear her opinion i don't want to hear anyone's opinion <laughs> I'm, i really know what my opinion is on this After. you can tell me all right now that on imdb everyone was like it's the greatest show of all time it's like you guys can fuck off okay uh the only thing i'll say about this is, I, is I, i've always liked hillary duff so i'm happy you're getting a paycheck miss duff get your fucking paycheck hillary duff okay you get your paycheck check we all know that that disney plus that check for what was it again uh, or the, the hillary duff, hillary show. duff yeah fuck. yeah the hillary duff show the, the hillary duff show on disney plus that we all know the millennials loved uh move on next uh, wait no hold on uh rating uh how i met your father is it, usually whenever i last six seconds i'm sadder than this out of ten yeah it's a never i'm never going to watch out of ten for sure prestigious award yes uh okay uh trails trails in the sky second chapter uh shout out to sean mason you know i'm just gonna mention this quickly because you i know you love this series honestly i've only played 45 minutes of it so i've got nothing to say about it i've started it uh, i'll be bitching about it i'm sure on the next episode that's two hours more than you should have spent on that yeah. oh and by the way the reason i'm playing this is because i kind of want to make myself hate video games again so i'm trying to kneecap myself so Oh, wonderful. We hate video games on Passive Pixels, which is why it's half the name. Um, I'll go ahead and take it from here. Uh, Astral Chain. I've been meaning to try this because it's been slowly going out of print. It was Platinum Games, and I could have sworn. I could have sworn that when they advertised this game for the first time on a Nintendo Direct, that uh, Kechi Okabe was doing the uh, music for it. Only to find out that when I booted up the game and it said uh, composed by, it was not him. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> there goes my entire reason to try this. And I kept playing it. And I was like, oh, man, um, this is really close. I might enjoy this. But the thing is that you're fighting as a person. The big little monster thing behind you is auto battling. So it's like I get to have the more boring part of the combat this sucks however astral chain if you go on youtube and search up astral chain police station music bop no fucking reason for that police station to be the hottest track of 2020 20 yeah let's say that game 2020 what are you gonna do fact check me who cares astral chain i dropped it i don't care anymore i may listen to the soundtrack at some point i'm gonna go ahead and give it a it's every other platinum thing without yoko out of 10 
Uh, I'm going to give this, I, I will never play it out of 10. Smart move, smart move. Uh, Cowboy Bebop, uh, restarted this because I, oh yeah, I, so I, I'm, I just restarted this from the beginning because I honestly forgot where I was. Uh, look, I still like mm-hmm. it. I'm honestly liking it a little bit less my second time through, but I think part of that is because I literally just watched all these. I think that's part of it, but we'll see. Uh, I'm almost at new episodes again. So again, next week I will have more fresh and exciting takes on that, but literally it's just a retread because I've watched the exact same episodes I've seen so far. Episode five, though, still kicks a lot of ass. I like that one a lot. The rating that I'm going to give Cowboy Bebop is not Tank, but specifically the version of Tank in the Netflix version where it's slowed down and it feels wrong. At a oh, time. is it slowed down? I didn't, I, fuck, I didn't notice that. That's funny. So I don't remember what video it was. I watched someone analyzing uh, why Satoshi Kon's movies would make more sense animated than they would in live action. And it's because in animation, you can show faster movements in less frames because the image isn't as busy as it would be in live action Got it. so what i realize is that because you can be faster in animation than you can be in live action they slowed down the live action intro because if not it wouldn't look right so they slowed down the music to match it insulting interesting yeah fuck them i don't like it uh so yeah no rating it because i haven't finished it do you have anything else for week? I don't think so because everything else is good. Okay, so I've got Redline. Uh, Redline, shout out, well, I mean, shout out to Connor, I guess, but fuck you, no. Connor. Um, yeah, <laughs> you won't listen to this Red anyways, move. fuck it. Uh, so basically, I, I'm not even going to get into the lore. This is a time-strapped episode anyways, but the lore of this is ridiculous. So I'm not going to get into the lore, but anyway, suffice to say, we had a bet mm. where I'd watch this movie. Um, I mean, I, I really didn't like anything about this movie. It, it It's very weebish to me. The animation's kind of nice at times, but otherwise I didn't care about anything. There was no memorable music or anything like that. I mean, the best part, like, I don't like racing stuff, but the best part of this is, was probably the racing stuff. And for a, for an anime, that movie that's like about racing, there's maybe like 15, 20 minutes of racing in the entire hour and 40 minutes, which I found kind of weird. Uh, other, otherwise, it's mostly a love story about this guy and this girl. Oh. I don't know, man. It, oh. yeah, it just, it was not for me. I didn't like it. it I mean, yeah, uh, 1.5 out of 5. I don't have anything else to say. Good, nice animation. That's it. I guess. Redline, I never want to watch because that one scene of like the engine turning on and it moves really fast and then it stresses the entire image. It looks so obnoxious <laughs> to me that it's like, it just, it doesn't look like you're even showing off. It just kind of looks like we can do this because we can. And of course, we can't forget Jurassic Park just because you can doesn't mean you should or something like that, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. I'm butchering it anyways, but the entire episode is butchered anyways, as is. Um, no, 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 I'm not going to insult it. I was going to throw something that I consider to be in weep trial, but it's good. So we'll take it and keep going. What else are we going to burn? Uh, Akira. No. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> We'll save it. We'll save it. You want to talk about showing off animation? Uh, That's how you show off animation. We'll save it. We'll save it. Anyways, I'm done. That's it. Uh, (laughs) 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 Taking those steroids. Uh, Keep going. Uh, that's it for Weep Trials. So are we just going into games now? Yeah, okay. Fuck video games. Um, uh, uh, Final Fantasy IV. I've been playing this game for like the last six years. I finally finished <laughs> oh, it. Oh, you finished I finally it? Oh, shit. Down. Yeah, I did. It's disgusting. Fuck video games, but I've beaten four games this year. What's wrong with me? Someone call the police. Did you cheat um, for this, by the way? I forget. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, okay. Of course. Oh, my God. 
I'm not gonna, dude. The encounter rate at the very end was just straight up cancer. Okay, you know what I would do? I would move four spots. I would hit a random encounter. I would just hit select an auto battle because I was so over leveled that any enemy I fought, I could just beat them to death without using magic. So it was like, oh, okay, perfect. But. It, the good thing is that the boss fights were still fun, even though I was over leveled, because I was like, oh, man, I have to strategize a little bit. Let me debuff them. Let me buff myself. Let me use types. Ooh, this is good stuff. But random enemies, I don't fucking care. Just just keep swinging the sword. It'd be funny because it'd be mat it, normal characters that I had. They'd swing a sword like 3000 damage. OK, that's fine. I have my magic users automatically attacking and they're doing like fucking 50 damage. And it's like, whatever. I don't care. Just battle this finish this game as much as i can basically my did you play it on pc by the way sorry oh, no vita oh, vita okay sorry oh god i'm just i'm insulted no i just i just don't know how you how you cheated then i guess is there a way to cheat it in vita like is there like an engine i, I didn't know come on okay come on <laughs> come on i i could figure these things out all right we're, we're this is going to be a rather heavy uh hacking episode yeah. once we get to uh, that their <laughs> pokemans um but yeah no no i went in it was the psp version of final fantasy 4 and that's the thing the psp uh notoriously probably right next to the dreamcast of the most easily hackable <laughs> console you didn't even time. do anything for the um, dreamcast you just put a disc in and it fucking worked <laughs> God, do you know about the Pandora battery for the PSP? Uh, yes, I've heard of it. I have. Okay, the Pandora battery is such a wonderful thing. You crack open your battery, you cut off one wire, or you move a wire and short it or something, and suddenly it made a PSP completely hackable, like completely <laughs> vulnerable. And it's one of the craziest things where it's like, how is it that the vulnerability is in the battery? I don't understand how that happens. It's almost like whenever you find out that you could have used a paperclip to hack a switch it's like how are people figuring this shit out it's terrifying what i was talking about final fantasy 4 fuck ah okay final fantasy 4 very good game um i I think at the end of it the turn-based just random encounters started really grinding on me but i think considering that this game was early 90s what 92 93 exactly the amount of effort that they put into the narrative and the presentation into this game i know it's the psp version but i have to imagine that most of it it's really just going to be more pixelated if you go back to the snes but so much of this is way ahead of its time that it's like, wow, this is really impressive. The only problem is, is that JRPGs and turn-based battles in general have, they've grown from needing you to fight literally everything in the next three seconds like that you run into. Uh, it took me about 14 or 15 hours. Honestly, this just felt like video game homework. Honestly, this just felt like I should probably play some of these games. I'll probably go to Final Fantasy VI at some point. I have no idea. I think the next thing I play on my Vita is probably going to be Severed because I've been meaning to do that for the longest amount of time. But yeah, Final Fantasy IV, good. I will probably never think about it again besides needing to tell people, yeah, I played that. Yeah, that's fair. It's been a long time since I played Final Fantasy IV. Um, like, it would have been when I was a kid, literally, because I had it for uh, SNES. Final Fantasy II for you. Yeah, Final Fantasy II. Uh, I had it for the SNES at the time. Um, and yeah, I'm oh, pretty you're sure... you're a SNES person. What's that? You're a SNES person. Uh, you know, I do it to be annoying. I actually think SNES is the correct <laughs> way to do it, but I know SNES annoys people, and I, I don't know, it just sounds like... It's like uh, fucking uh, Lolly, fuck Lolly, but Snoy, how uh, they do the Snoy thing. I think it just... 
it's such a disgusting sounding word. I kind of like saying it. So SNES. I don't know. There's just something gross. I want you to know that that is the most you thing ever to specifically say (laughs) SNES to annoy people. That's that's wonderful. That's art. I know. But yeah, I had it on. I had it on the old SNES. And um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I beat it, but God, fuck if I remember literally two things about it. So, I mean, I remember enjoying it. It was kind of, you know, a gateway into JRPGs for me, which I kind of am hit, really hit and miss with now, uh, but more starting to, to fair, like them That's again. probably a bad kind of thing to be gatewayed into. Yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, at least at least that one, you know, isn't overly horny, though, and it's. You know, some, just some classic good old Final Fantasy action. It takes itself so seriously. And it's it like, I really appreciate it that. It does. So I appreciate that, too, for sure. Okay. Uh, Final Fantasy four is going to be a uh, a homework assignment that you don't exactly hate. But by the time that you're done with the project, you just really don't want to look anyone in the eye again after out of 10. <laughs> yeah, it's some uh, good old retro shit out of 10 for me. So I enjoyed that game. Mm-hmm. Um, or from what I remember, go continue. Uh, Deathloop. Look, I don't have much to say about oh, this because I dropped it. But let's talk a little bit about it, I guess. Um, look, here's the thing about Deathloop. First of all, the game itself is gorgeous. Like it looks amazing. It's technically great. Uh, playing that game, like it, it, it'd been a while since I'd picked played something like that actually used the dual sets properly, like with the haptics and the adaptive triggers and everything like that. And it felt really good on that. Like everything was really crunchy. It felt good to play and. Mm, mm, I like that. My issue is, look, I I don't like games that are designed a certain way. So the story was intriguing to me and it was like, oh, this is interesting, but it wasn't enough of a hook to make me just kind of overlook all the other things. And the thing with the gameplay in that game is, first of all, it feels like Dishonored and I didn't like Dishonored to begin with. So that was a knock against it. But then on top of that, you kind of have this thing where you have to kill these six people in one day, in one loop, as they call it, one day, basically. And it basically you have to go to certain parts of the day and certain parts of the time because they'll only be there at those times and kill them at those times. And then you advance to the next part of the day where another person might be. And they all have the same schedules, but you have to kind of map it out and plan it and kind of figure out everyone's patterns. And I'm just not for that, honestly. I don't know. Maybe that's just me being lazy and wanting to move on to other things. But if it's open world, it's open world. If it's linear, it's linear. But I don't want to go around with the plot out and figure out when everyone's going to be at a certain spot to try and murder this person at this time and have to like redo these loops over and over again to figure this shit out. Just not for me. And so I kind of felt like like there was a bit of a tutorial at first, then just kind of throws you right into the deep end and. I just didn't care enough to keep going. So it's not an overly long game, but I was like, look, I'm already don't like games anyways. So I have no desire to finish this. And I don't think I ever will. If the gameplay maybe felt better, like to play and I enjoyed it and it was fun. then maybe I'd put up with that other shit, but because I don't like dishonored and arcane in general, except for prey, I don't think it was ever going to click for me. So it was an easy draw. All right. Now death loop. Um, th- I don't exactly want my handheld that much. That's going to be something that I bring up later. Uh, Deathloop sounds like it may be something I like, but the things that stop me is that Arcane has not spoken to me in since now that we're in our Lord's 2020 in a decade, and that was with Dishonored 1. They have not said a word to me since, and especially since Phil Spencer has specifically given them instructions to never speak to me again. I feel like Deathloop might even be more of a miss. However, there's something that I found, well, something that was relayed to me eventually that Deathloop isn't as freeing at some point as you would think. And that alone has me thinking I'm probably never going to get to you 
it's going to go through the $10 spot. Now, here's the thing. There have been a couple of games like Dreams where it gets to the $10 spot and I realize, wow, even at $10, I still don't care. And basically what the $10 spot is, I look at it. I see it for sale for $10. And then I think, even at $10, do I want to do this? And if I even have a moment of hesitation, it's gone. It's fleeting. It's gone. That's like that's what happened with Cyberpunk too. I saw it at ten dollars and I went, I still don't care even at this price. So I'm just probably gonna let it go. So Deathloop, you're on notice. You hit ten dollars probably in the next couple of weeks. Honestly, you've been twenty five dollars pretty often. So get to ten dollars. We'll reevaluate from there. And then if you are a miss, Arcane, you're fucking dead to me. Okay, I know about a PC. You're dead to me still. Yeah, there's a chance you'll like this more, but yeah, judging off your recent history of Arcane, I'm gonna guess no. Like no, I I don't. But it, I don't think it'll hit overall for you. And to be fair, like look, so I first of all, I don't want the game to hold my hand either. I don't need that. It just I don't particularly like having to spend a lot of time kind of redoing the same thing over and over again to figure something out. I don't find that fun. But beyond that, you can actually like there are like I think it's like Hitman in the way in a sense that you can play a totally butchered down version of it where you just kind of like click on things and it'll kind of point you to where you need to go. Uh, but that's I don't know even less fun to me. So yeah. Okay, uh, two things. One, you love Returnal. Yeah, uh, Returnal two. had the the Prometheus <laughs> sci-fi cheat code though, and that I don't know that that was there more that was more like but fair. You're you're right, but that felt fun to play. Like I enjoyed playing that Deathloop or Deathloop. Yeah, I did not enjoy playing that because it just felt like Dishonored to me. Which maybe you'll like that more if you like Dishonored. But exactly, that's the thing. That's what has me wondering about it because it probably cuts closer to Dishonored than it does Prey, and we disagree on both of those games. All right. Now the second thing is, I feel like I already forgot the second thing. Crap. Hitman. Ah. Oh yes, Hitman. Uh, Hitman. You know how you were talking about how you don't like playing the same thing and then restarting over? That is how I play <laughs> Hitman. I play Hitman well, perfect stealth, and you know why? Because as soon as I screw up, reset. No, we're not doing this shit again. No, I do that too. But that, that, I guess I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> but for Hitman, I, I I just have to put myself in the mind of an assassin. I'm like, okay, like well, like I gotta I actually gotta do this like super stealth and try hard mode. <laughs> So again, though, I think it comes down to me really enjoying the gameplay of it. Like I really enjoy the gameplay of Hitman, um, and that's what it's focused to me. Whereas for something like Deathloop, I was definitely playing that more for the narrative, not for the gameplay. I'm sorry, I just have to imagine that, like when you said I have to play it like a Hitman, my brain was like, okay, we're gonna play it like a Hitman, but you have the remote from Click, uh, from Adam Sandler's Click, <laughs> and basically any single time that you get caught, it's like, ah, shit, reverse. Yeah, basically, exactly that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Deathloop is going to be uh, it's going to be a Phil Spencer uh, attempting to shoot you out of 10. I don't know what that means. It just feels right. Yeah, so I'm not going to score it. It's a drop out of 10. That's it. All right. Uh, because we already brought it up, I'm going to go ahead and talk about Hitman. Um, it, I've it's been like, OK, it came out in 2016. Let's say that I bought Hitman one in like 2017. Right. It's been five years of me having Hitman 1 in one form or the other, and finally I played two missions of it, and not just the tutorial. Like, I've done, like, fucking three or four times because I just keep redoing it to relearn what I'm doing. Um, I finally played Sapienza. I finally played Paris. Um, the game is good. Game, game good. Um, my brain like it when I grab Fire Hydrant and I knock people out. I like choking people and I like wearing their clothes. 
I kind of wish I could cut their faces off and wear it too for extra immersion. Um, I, oh my god. What I love more than about Hitman than anything else is the fact that I can basically create my own little stories out of it. And for a game that's really... It doesn't feel like a game like this would be as open as it is. I feel like it's really deceptive about that. And I like that I can just talk about Hitman and all of it sounds like how does that translate into a video game? For example, like, being able to... like in. Paris, what I did is that the guard, right? Uh, I grabbed the guard, like the guy who was specifically guarding my target. I grabbed him and I choked him out and I dressed up as him. And I realized I had his cell phone and I was like, I have no idea what this does. I'm going to go ahead and call it in. Hitman goes, oh, we got a code 47. Secure the package. Secure the package. And this was like five minutes, five or 10 minutes into my first run or so, right? And then when I realized that it sent people over, I was like, ooh, that's some good information. I'll see what I can do with that. And then like an hour and a half later, after I had already killed one target, I was like, ooh, if I take him out, I can see where that other person is. So I do that. I go into the room. I'm dressed up as him. Everyone vacates the room. I grab my target, choke her out, snap her neck, run out. And I was like, oh my god. I don't know how I did this, but this is awesome. The game didn't really tell me what to do. I just went in, did my stuff, figured it out, and then dipped. Um, in Sapienza, what I did is that, oh my god, what was it? Uh, I broke into just a room, and I was like, oh man, what is this room? Oh man, look, it's it looks like this is a romance suite. What's going on here? I picked up a letter, and then the game goes, oh, it seems that your target is having an affair. And I was like, oh. Okay, let's see what I can do with that. I walk out, and this is something where I'm thinking maybe I should probably turn off a couple of UI elements. Because when I walked out, it pointed me directly to where the golf, uh, what's called, the golf instructor was. And I was like, ooh, I kind of wish I could have wandered around and seen if I can find him. But that was literally the only time the game it felt like it intruded on me being able to figure it out. So I'll forgive it. I go. Take the golf course, take, take golf course, take the golf instructor out. Oh, wait, no, no. What do I do? No, no, no. I wait and I see that he takes a drink. So I go over to the drink. I poison it. He goes to throw up in the bathroom. I knock him out. I dress up as him. I go and sit down. She thinks that I'm him and starts speaking to me. Problem is I knocked out the golf instructor and someone can look into the window and see that the body's there. I was like, well, that's a reset. So I reset. I went back. I went into the bathroom and I dragged the man into a cabinet. The funny thing is that I took too long doing that because then the woman walked in. Now, here's the thing. The woman was looking into a dark corner. She couldn't tell anyone was there. And while maybe some people will go, oh, man, maybe that's not a good sign of a video game. I, on the other hand, think that's fucking hilarious that the corner is so dark and she's talking there and she has no idea. So what do I do in the middle of talking? Go over, choke her out, snap her neck. It's this kind of shit in Hitman where I'm like, oh, my God. This is just so much fun. Yeah, it's a blast, man. Like, I'm so glad you're finally going to experience Hitman. And you as a gameplay person, I knew would really appreciate that. Um, stealth, too. The stealth, I yeah. This, stealth. You're a stealth fan, too. So, like, I mean, I mean, it's pure stealth at its finest at points there. And it just, it doesn't, the game lets you create and explore as you want. And, like, if you want to play it a totally butchered, watered-down version with, like, objective markers and everything like that, you can do that. I don't know why you would want to, but you can do that. 
But if you just want to explore and basically take a full on silent assassin and stealth and do everything you want, like you're free to do that. And I think it's so cool. And it's funny you mentioned earlier about how the game's like deceptively big and you're totally right. It is. And I still remember like the first time playing uh, Sapienza, which is my favorite level in the entire series. I love that level so much. And just like kind of layer, like discovering piece by piece, it feels like a fucking Bond movie. Like when you get to the end of the level, yes, and you just discover the fucking secret layer. It's so cool, and it's just like wow, oh, this dude, is you had the musical stings too. Yes. Whenever you get a kill, it's like yeah, it's so great. And yeah, there's just something about Hitman that kind of just you know spikes your adrenaline a bit, and, and they're such fun games. Um, and, and they're just, you could like, that's the thing about them though, too. And I understand there was debates about the episodic model when it comes out. And I understand people didn't like it and they ditched it. So obviously mm. it didn't do well for them, but I actually played Hitman one episodically and I appreciated it because there's so much to fucking do in each level. Yes. You could literally spend weeks on one level, just trying to get all the challenges and figure all the different ways to kill them. Cause they put so many creative ways into killing these people for you to discover and it just feels like a shame if you're just going through it one time and just kind of doing only one way, one kill, and moving on to the next level. Like, it's not the best way to play Hitman, in my opinion. <laughs> About that! That's how I'm playing all three, baby! Because oh, if not, I can't... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I know it's the wrong way, because that's how I played the tutorial. I did everything in the tutorial. I was like, fuck, that's cool. Problem is, though... Do you know how much I'm drowning underneath? Uh, do you oh, know yeah. how many other video games are there? Do you know how many fucking movies yeah, there's, there's, I watched? There's so much. There's so many. So much things to do in so little time. So I totally get that now. But it is a shame because there's just so much thought and creativity put into each level. Except Colorado. Fuck Colorado. There. It is the 27th that they were that we were recording this. I told myself that I wanted to watch one movie a day for this entire month. Actually, I told myself for an entire year, but like halfway through the month, I was like, okay, this is becoming a lot. I should probably, you know, stop this and just say it's a month instead now. Um, even though I've been doing a movie a day, slightly more positive than a movie a day, I'm pretty sure my watch list has grown this month. So <laughs> there's nothing I can do. Or something. I'm so sorry, Hitman. Honestly, episodic would have worked, but also I'm in a catch-22 here because if you're episodic, I'm not going to buy digitally. If you're coming out entirely, I'm not going to do everything. And then I drown myself even further by putting all three games into one package. So I'm kind of fucked here. Hitman, I'm sorry. I'm going to go in. I'm going to be pure stealth the entire time. I'm going to dip. I have to go to the next one. I'm sorry, Hitman. Maybe one day if I somehow become a billionaire and I can just do whatever I want, maybe I'll go back to it. Probably not. I'll just watch a whole bunch of movies instead. That's fair. Well, I'm, I'm just glad you're enjoying it. So I'll be I'll be interested to hear your thoughts on the rest of the levels as you get to them. Hitman is going to be uh, you couldn't have chosen a better team to ha to make a Bond game. At no doubt on that. Uh, Hitman one's a banger. I think I give it a seven, seven point five out of ten, something like that. Really enjoyable game. OK, this is not even going to get a timestamp. I'm just going to throw it in here. Voice of Cards is on the list again. I don't remember what I did here. Yoko Thato was good writing. That's it. Just moving on now. Cool. You, you, you can take it again. Uh, let's talk about The Last Guardian. So uh, this this is a long time in the making for me. I actually bought this game at launch in 2016. Um, and I did play it a bit at launch, Same. but this was back when I was terrible for finishing games. I played it for a couple hours. I really enjoyed what I played of it. Um, and I just never got back to it. So finally got back to it. Um, after I dropped Deathloop, I was like, hey, I went to the last and media discord. Shout out to Colin and uh, all the mm -hmm. ponies over there. Um, I went in there and I was like, tears, just tears, <laughs> tears. Yeah, nothing but tears now. 
um, I went in there and I was like, hey, what game, like, I don't know what to play now. And one of the guys in there who's one of the biggest ponies of all, Bobby, who will never listen to this podcast. So good for you, Matt. Uh, he wonderful. Good he said he said, play Last Guardian because he just finished it. He's like, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> Why not? I've been wanting to play that for a while. It's a good choice. So picked it up, played it, and I just finished it a, uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, look, honestly, great game. Really good game. Um, I gotta say, Trico, Bird Dog, my man, oh boy, I love you to death by the end of this, but fuck, you're an annoying piece of shit sometimes, but I still love you, it's fine. Um, great though, I love the bond you form with him throughout the game, it's obviously the highlight of it, and they, they make him, I, I mean, I don't know, I, I would love to know if these controls are annoying on purpose sometimes, just to make you feel yes. like an annoying dog that doesn't listen to you some goddamn times, because there yes. were times when I just wanted to take my controller and chuck it at the wall, because he would not fucking do what I wanted him to do but when he finally does do what you want him to do and you and he starts jumping around from place to place you're like oh good dog and you give him some pets and everything's fine uh so that's great uh music is f- f- great like it, there's it's interesting it's a very silent game a lot of the times and it feels appropriately so but then when you get to like kind of the moment you'll get that classical kind of orchestra like kick in there and it's fucking great i love it and it just feels appropriate for the world and, and i mean these are the same guys that made uh, shadow of the colossus too so obviously that's kind of their thing uh, which I'm going to go back and play that soon too and give that a second shot. Uh, but yeah. Have you played Eco? I've never played Eco. No. So Ooh. yeah, Eco's one. Okay. If you vibed with this, then you have a chance of liking Eco. Yeah. Is it uh, playable on PS4 at all or no? <laughs> what do you think? It's Sony. No. Okay. No, of course not. No, right, stupid. <laughs> stupid question. <laughs> I cry. Stupid question. Thanks, Jim. Uh, moving on. Because <laughs> I could bitch about GM all night. Uh, GM. Uh, yeah, honestly, though, this was just great. Uh, just a great, complete story throughout the entire thing. Uh, I felt very satisfied by the end of it. It just felt like, you know, there's not a ton of story in it, but the little lore bits they give you and the kind of chunks they kind of get to by the end of it. And you kind of, you know, just make your escape out of this pit you're stuck in and everything like that. It's just very warm and well done. And, you know, it's, it's hard to hate this game. So really cool experience. Uh, it's the only thing I'd say about it is for me, it was slightly hampered at times by the controls and just the camera in general, which gets fucking crazy sometimes. And that's where I had my biggest complaints and issues with the game. But otherwise, I really like this. All right. Now, the Team Eco, these guys just speak to me. I like Eco. I love Shadow of the Colossus. The Last Guardian is not a game that I could ever recommend without asking a couple of questions. I don't think it's that good to be able to just be like, yes, everyone should play this. I personally just usually ask, how much did you love Shadow of the Colossus? If the answer isn't yes, and that's the thing, I specifically said love Shadow of the Colossus. If the answer isn't yes, eh, I don't know about The Last Guardian, right? So I really enjoy The Last Guardian very much, but in my list, I have my favorites, I have honorable mentions, and then I have games I love I can never recommend. There's literally only two games there, the original Nier and The Last Guardian. And the thing is, is that this game for like two thirds was like really trying my patience. I was like, I'm enjoying so much of this, but a lot of it is also just kind of fighting Trico. But once you get to like the last third and you have that one cutscene give you just this little spark of life, I was like, oh, I realize I care now. Uh, damn it, Fumito Ueda, you did it again. You tricked me into caring about something with barely any words. Good job, sir. And I just kept playing it, and by the time we got to the end, I was actually worried about what would happen to these characters, and that's honestly always a good sign. I actually bought this one 
uh, like the I bought the special edition for this game. I'm pretty sure in my attic, I still have a special edition along with the little disc that has Trico and the kid sitting on top of his head. I really like this game. But at the end of the day, it's always like, I think I love this game more than the actual quality that's there. Yeah, that's fair. But shout out, by the way, to one of that collector's edition. I want that steelbook really bad now, so I'm going to have to keep an eye out for it. I got to think for white steelbooks in general, like just the clean white looking ones like that. And it's a beauty. And I like the game too. So definitely on my list now. But yeah, no, I agree with all that. I think uh, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of things about that world that I really liked. I was so sure to, I mean, minor spoilers, I guess. 2016 mm-hmm. minor spoilers. Um, but I was, well, I mean, they're, they're spoilers, but anyways, uh, I, I was so sure he was going to bite it by the end of the movie, by the game. And I'm glad they didn't go that row, but I was so sure I was like, just waiting for it. I was like, you guys are going to fucking tear my heart out, aren't you? And they never did. So that was cool. Skip forward 10 seconds. Um, uh, now, Whenever the tail flew off, I oh, was hollering. Yeah. I was in fear. Mm. I was like, you cannot do this. You cannot do this. And okay, that was 10 seconds. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree. What I can say is I agree. Yeah, the, the ending was great, though. Really well done. And yeah, I, like I said, well, the, that's the interesting thing, though. Like what you said is that, you know, if you don't love Shadow of the Colossus, I can't recommend this for you. I never loved Shadow of the Colossus. But I really like this, so I am definitely going to go back to it. I got the I got the remake, the physical copy of it, so I'm going to go back to it at some point pretty soon here because I feel like I owe that one a second chance and see for sure. I think Eco though is usually the the better barometer. Shadow of the Colossus is very quiet and then has huge bumps. Uh, Eco on the other hand is usually pretty chill, and that's honestly more in line with the Last Guardian. Makes sense. Yeah, Eco um, I check out at some point then too. Mm-hmm. All right, The Last Guardian. Uh, honestly, that was pretty much my score. Uh, I love this game, but can't recommend it out of 10. It's a 7.5 out of 10 for me. What? Do I have any other video games? Okay, so I already got rid of that. I got rid of that. Um, You know what? I'm going to just bundle the next two games because, honestly, who cares? Yeah. Um, Habroxia. I, I, I didn't really know what to do when I was ready to go to sleep and i was like i'm not ready to go to sleep so i had the ps5 in the bedroom and honestly the problem is is that i'm lazy and have more money than i should because honestly just moving the ps5 from the theater room to the bedroom i just looked at my wife and i was like should i buy a second ps5 and she just death glared me and i was like yeah yeah, that's probably the right move so i'm playing hybroxia in bed i'm playing it on the ps4 because i'm like well i should probably get the platinums for these i have it on beta already PS5, I guess I should. So basically, I would just play it for like 10 minutes before I would go to sleep. I would play until I died. And I was like, okay, that's fine. It's still a fun game. I don't I don't know. Go look at whatever I said in the previous episodes. It's a fun arcade shooter. It's not going to change your life, but it'll be fun. Yeah, I own these games. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, no. go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to I forgot for a second that I said I was going to oh, bundle no, two b- movies. Bowen, anyways, I, no, no, get, get your input. all I was going to say is that I I own this game. I played a little bit of it. I sucked. Uh, I'll have to try it again at some point. Probably, like, oh, I'd say I bought it on PS4. I should have bought it on Vita, but it is what it is, so. 
Yeah. Uh, but your hands don't like the Vita. That's so true. Like, that's eh. true. That's true. The other game is Overcooked. Uh, mainly the reason is that I, you know, screw it. The, this is gonna be the I move the PS5 out of the theater room, so I'm playing different things now. Um, Overcooked. I've been playing this game with my wife since 2016. Do you see a common theme about a lot of these games? It's picking up stuff that I haven't touched in years. My wife and I, we were playing Overcooked for a while. I made her own account, and we have both trophies that are matching, showing that we were playing this together. She got screwed over because when we finished the game with three stars on each level, it didn't pop for her. It only popped for me. And there's no chance that we ever go back to get it for her because, uh, fuck that. Uh, we're probably going to kill each other if we ever try to play that game again. Overcooked has been a fun time. It is right next to building IKEA furniture together of how to test out your marriage and or relationships. Overcooked is incredible. Anyone who knows how to press a button can play this game. Uh, although you'll probably need a bit more from that or else you will have to bury them in the backyard. Well, it's funny. So I actually played Overcooked uh, with a friend um, and they're an ex-friend. Mm -hmm. Not oh, because oh. of Overcooked, though, I swear to God. <laughs> it's not. It's, we know you murdered it's them. It's not because of Overcooked, I swear to God. I doubt it. But yeah, that game uh, that game's a frustrating game, and uh, it definitely makes you rage at times at, at the person you're playing with. So uh, 10 out of 10, I do recommend it. A lot of fun. All right. Uh, yeah, those are my games. Off to you now. All right, this is my last game. It's Cuphead. Cuphead. Um, so this was another, like, okay, I dropped this game ages ago. Let's pick it back up. But this was completely different circumstances from... The Last Guardian. Last Guardian, you know, I just was bad at finishing games. Cuphead, I dropped it because I would have smashed something if I didn't. Um, like, broken into <laughs> three because this is such a frustrating game at times. And I don't know, something about Returnal scratched an itch for me earlier uh, last year, obviously now. And it made me want to play, Disgusting. you know, more of these games like this. And so I was like, you know, why not Cuphead? Why not go back to this? I love the animation style on this. It's one of the prettiest looking games I've ever seen. I think it, it sounds great. It's so cool. I don't want to have this hanging over me. I actually want to beat this fucking game. So I spent a few days and I beat it. I finally did it. Uh, so good to go back and do mm. that. I love this game. This game is absolutely fantastic. I loved it even when I hated it. Like I, I always said, like, I hate this game. I uninstalled it. I stopped playing it. But that's such a goddamn good game. It's not the game. It's me. And yeah, sure enough. And I mean, the funny thing is that the boss that I had been stuck on was so long. This clown fuck. Uh, I ended up beating him pretty quick. Not, he wasn't that bad. And then I fucking found like, like a, I think the next boss or the boss after that I fight is this dragon fuck. That's like the hardest boss in the game. And I was stuck on him for like three goddamn hours. So I like, I was, I couldn't even imagine getting stuck on him back then. But yeah, I mean, it's just an amazing game. Uh, it's so much fun to play. It's just, there's, there's just, oh. I could gush about this game for hours. It's amazing. There's DLC coming, so I don't have to wait 10 years like everyone else that I'll get to play this soon. I'm going to buy that DLC because I think the game is great, and I got to support the Canadian studio. I laughed because I forgot for a second that the DLC has a date on it. I was thinking of whenever I finished Shadow of the Colossus for the first time, like in 2012 on the PS3, I was like, oh man, that's so good. Now, whenever The Last Guardian comes out, I'm going to be waiting way less time than everyone else. And then the game comes out in 2016. I was like, ah, well, uh, I really should have taken off this clown makeup a little earlier than everyone else. Um, so, Cuphead. Uh, I played this during the dark period that I had an Xbox and I played that game with a D-pad. And now here's the thing. I don't believe for one second that Phil Spencer has ever created a single D-pad that's been good. 
at all. I hate them on every single one of those controllers. So I think at some point I got to the third boss and I was like, I don't like playing this game on this. I don't. And so I stopped. And then I think I yo-hoed it for a second on Switch to see how it was. And I was like, ooh, this feels good on the Pro Controller. But then I think that was around the same time that I had Hollow Knight. And I was like, yeah, but if I want to, you know, smash my nuts in between two walls, I think I'm going to do Hollow Knight instead. So then I dropped it. However, now the fact that I need proof to show that I'm an Epic God gamer status um, beyond Doom, I'm thinking since Doom was last year, 2023 maybe 2024 i'll go ahead and play cuphead so that'll be my next way of you know being like ah you see i still got it that's fair <laughs> i actually really like well just my psychosis yeah your psychosis going back to the start of that i really like the d-pad uh, for the new xbox control i know you don't like it still too but uh, I, uh, I will say the original the original uh one controllers d-pad was garbage i think it was horrible i had a one s controller too at the time thing was shit but yeah i didn't i didn't actually i think use the d-pad while i was playing cuphead at all i think i just used the, the oh, stick i can't do it so dude i can't do it any single time that there's a 2d game like i use the d-pad like that is what i do so like playing a, a Honestly, it, I am so a, a nincel and a pony that playing a 2D game on Xbox felt unnatural. It was like, this doesn't feel right. I feel like I'm going against my core programming playing this here. Yeah, well, uh, look, whenever you pick this game back up, make sure you stream it because that'll, <laughs> that'll be a fun watch. <laughs> For sure. That actually isn't a bad idea. Yeah, that, that one that was a good watch. I actually wanted to stream it badly, but on the Xbox, it's a bit more of a pain in the ass to get everything set up and stream than the PS. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to do it. But uh, that's a good streaming game because man, oh man, <laughs> there were some moments where you just want to punch a wall. Especially the worst thing is you too, because hear- the worst thing about it is it shows you how close you are to beating the boss, and it, yes. I, I swear it fucks with you on purpose. Like it's like, oh, let's put him at the real very fucking end where he's like an inch away from that flag, and then kill him. He's like, you fucks. It, I, I just want to go back to something you said. You, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Xbox just makes it more difficult to do shit in general. Oh yeah, fuck Xbox. Listen, we're we're very there's we're, gonna, we're very pony on this show. We're, there's a lot of salt right now because of Activision, but this isn't a news episode. This isn't a news podcast. Okay, so we'll just we'll just throw more shots, but whatever. Who cares? Uh, Cuphead, very good. I'll get back to it at some point. I'm gonna go ahead and give it a racist animation out of ten. <laughs> uh, it was an eight point five out of ten for me. Really liked that game a lot. So is that it? Fuck games. I, that, that's all. Oh wait, hold oh. on, hold on. I got my last one. Okay, I have my last one. Pokemon Legends uh, Arceus. Yes. You see, so as a journalist now, you got an early copy of it, right, Ed? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely a copy, and it's definitely early. Um, <laughs> you know, that I guess if we want to go by definitions, yeah. What am I, on trial? Sh- shut up. I need a lawyer. Um, okay, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Um, this was a spite tryout. This was more than anything else me playing this to see... Okay, yes, the game looks like shit graphically, but I really think that I'm swinging hard into gameplay right now than narrative. So even though it looks like shit, my question was, is this a good game? I'm four hours in and 
I don't know if I can answer that question yet. All I know so far is that this game is scratching my brain more than it should. And I think more than anything else, because my expectations were rock bottom, I'm impressed with this game more that it isn't rock bottom. It isn't just kind of, okay, this is fine. It's actually getting close to me thinking, is this good or not? Not even a question of, you know, is it just a piece of shit? It's actually even probably getting close to, am I going to buy this game? I don't know. All I know is that this game is scratching pieces of my brain that hasn't been scratched probably since Metal Gear Solid V. And I was holding on to this. I've been messaging you, and I did not want to throw this one out. But catching Pokemon in this game is scratching the same part of my brain that stealing everything with the Fulton system in Metal Gear Solid V gave me. I don't understand how is it that I spend so much time fucking around in this game because if I see a little a little fucking radish on the ground, I can either go and pick it up like in every other fucking open world game or I can throw my Pokemon to grab it for me. Oh, there's a tree that has fruits in it. I'm going to throw my Cyndaquil to go grab it for me. Oh, look, there's a Pokemon over there. I'm just going to capture him. So much of this game is... That's the thing. I don't even think the resource gathering is supposed to be something that you pay that much attention to. But it is scratching that part of my brain where it's like, if it's not bolted down, I can steal it. And I, the main line part of this game is going to be the determining factor. I've told myself I have five hours to play with this game, all right? I'm going to play for five hours, and if I, at the end of those five hours, still want to keep playing, I'll buy it. But if I get to those five hours and there's even a minor hesitation about if I want to keep playing it, I'm going to delete it. If, you've, if I've given you five hours and you, I still can't decide whether I want to play this, I've given you more than enough time. This game, though... A lot of it feels like it has so many good ideas, like being able to go into a Pokemon world and see the Pokemon walking around is something I didn't think I was going to care about. I, but being able to see the Pokemon walking around, I can crouch down and I, I guess Poke, I guess fucking Game Freak learned what game design was, at least from a couple of people from the last decade. And they're like, oh, my God, it's an inch high piece of grass. We can hide in there. But the thing is, is that I'm hunting Pokemon, so I'm not going to lambast it for me hiding in the grass. Hide me in the grass. I want to catch that that Cyndaquil over there. OK, hide me so I can capture him. Now, another thing I realized with this game is that you can resource gather pretty far depending on how far you throw the Pokeball. So it's like, oh, I'm at the top of this cliff, but there's a shiny rock down there. I'm just going to throw my Pokemon down there. He's going to grab it for me. This is cool. But the problem is, is that this game has so many good little things. But overall, I'm still not figuring out, but why am I doing this? Most games you have the gym where, okay, go to the gyms, beat the Elite Four. That's it. It's the same fucking thing for the last two decades. And, well, it, it works. There's always a new child born that doesn't know that that's what happens in the Elite Four. Okay. But I've played two Pokemon games before. I kind of know this shit. The thing is, is that Arceus, it replaces the gyms for the Pokedex. And here's the thing. There's something smart about Arceus. It replaces the gyms 
with the Pokédex. So your goal isn't to become the best and that no everyone was, et cetera, et cetera. Your goal is to build out the Pokédex. And that actually works because it, it incentivizes you to keep capturing every Pokemon you get. It doesn't matter that you had multiples. All of it is meaningful for the Pokédex. And it's so weird when they have so many smart things like that where it's like, oh, that's really good game design. That is good feedback to what you should be doing in this game. But then there's other things like the comp straight up mainline quest feels like it is holding your hand throughout all of it when they've literally created this entire world where it feels like you should be going to do whatever you want i know look cover your ears because i know this was going to hurt you breath of the wild there we go we said the name um the game even though from the onset it looked like it's breath of the pokemon it's not because it feels okay here's the thing it feels so surface level Breath of the Wild. The men honestly, if this game was made in the Breath of the Wild engine, I'd believe it. But that's the thing. It feels like it's only the menus and I guess the world that feel Breath of the Wild, but it feels like this game fundamentally misunderstands what made Breath of the Wild special because of the main quest. This is a weird duckling, and I don't know what to do with it. All I know is that in the next hour, I will mainline this game. I will keep going, and if the mainline keeps holding my hand tightly, as it's been doing for the last four hours, I'm going to drop this game. If you like Pokemon, you'll like this game. If you don't like Pokemon, this will not change your mind. Nothing in this game will change your mind about your opinion on Pokemon. But at the end of the day, I feel like the fact that it seems like there was more effort put in than what other mainline Pokemon games had. I feel that more than anything else. I feel like I have to commend. Oh, I got so many things I want to say, but go for it. Go for it. <laughs> go for it. Start shit talking. All right. N number one, Pokemon hasn't been good since Gen 1. Let's get that straight. No, let's, no. Let's, let's, look, let's, Pokemon let's, is let, never let, good unless you're the right age. Let's start this. Let's start this conversation off right. Pokemon has not been good since Pokemon Fire Red and Fire Blue. That's number one. All right. You're not 10 anymore, Dan. <laughs> number two. I wish I was. Number two. We all do. Yeah. Number two. Uh, fuck Breath of the Wild. That, but that's a conversation for another day. All right. Number three. Don't worry. We'll start it soon. We'll start it very soon. Um, number three. Um, uh, you've talked a lot about this game in the Discord and just in general. And literally the only thing that's given me any sort of slight interest was when I could found out that Psyduck apparently can chase you. And I was like, oh, that, that actually sounds interesting for about two seconds because God bless Psyduck. He's the best Pokemon out there. But yeah, in reality, I have less than zero interest in this still. I, I mean, yeah. at least like, I mean, it, like you've you've taken a game I already don't like in Breath of the Wild and you've somehow done it worse. <laughs> I mean, how am I going to? Oh, oh come like on. That? Come on. To be fair, you don't like Breath of the Wild for lack of direction. You might actually like this one because it feels like it just keeps giving you direction. Uh, I don't know. I, but the, the, the idea to me that there's no even overarching story and you're just basically doing a bunch of fucking little fetch. Quests. No, there is. All right. There is. OK, well, that's fair. No, that's what's annoying me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that actually does sound more appealing, but I'm still not going to buy it. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I would never tell you to buy this unless I could figure out a way to send you a copy that mods every Pokemon for just Psyducks. Yeah, if that was a thing, I'm fucking all, all for that. That would be fantastic. So I'm definitely in on that. But. It's funny. It was 
actually a couple of hours ago that I encountered the first Psyduck and I was like, oh my god, I need to capture this. And then I go over the cliff that I was walking through and I saw two more Psyducks. I was like, oh my god, I found a Psyduck enclave. I'm capturing all you fuckers. That's, I'm actually glad to hear he's in the game because like he's been ignored a lot um, in recent Pokemon games. And I, I'm assuming it's the same thing as other Pokemon games where it's like half a fucking... A roster of them so i'm glad he made the cut this time oh i completely forgot to mention this uh the other thing about this game is that whenever you fight pokemon it's still completely turn-based like once you get yeah. into a combat segment it's no different than any other game that does feel weird and in that style of game it, yeah i mean like i started i forgot that you can dodge so i would be running and you have a cooldown for your run so i would run dodge roll and then keep running and i was like oh oh my god, there's actual movement that I enjoy. So that was actually really nice. And you have more movement as a 10-year-old child than a fucking monster that shoots flames out of its mouth. It's like, why is this like this? Honestly, like, there is Pokin. Pokin is right there. There's already a Pokemon fighting game. Just figure out how to take that and throw it in here. It feels so much like this game has one step forward in like, yeah, we're going to change shit. And then the other foot's like, yeah, but we haven't changed shit in so long and our financials look really good because of it. Like, that's what this game feels yeah, like. And they're, and they're just going to revert back to the old formula. Too, <laughs> so. it, it literally doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah but like uh, Arceus, I'm going to give it a... I never fucking expected I would care at a 10. Psyduck out of 10. Well, no, it's too good. Never mind. Uh, we'll, yeah, give it a, we'll give it a gold duck out of 10. Uh, yeah, gold duck's kind of ugly. Yeah. That's fine. Okay, uh, that's all for video games. Yeah, um, fuck games. Let's go ahead and slaughter a whole bunch of movies. Oh, wait, no, hold on. Do you have another game? No, no, I said fuck games. No, we're good. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, fuck video games. Yeah. Uh, now we need to slaughter a whole bunch of movies. Slaughter away. Where are we, where are we starting? You want me to go? Okay, um, I'll go ahead. Okay, with, uh, rapid fire back and forth. Sure. Are they go so are we? Are these just ones we don't like? Give a shit much a shit about? Is that what we're doing now? I know. If even if we talk about three movies, that's going to take us a slightly over two hours. I know it. Okay. So fair enough. I'm going to go ahead and start. First Blood. I watched First Blood. Uh, this is very good. Rambo, obviously. No, sorry, Rambo. Uh, Ar Arnold. <sighs> Sylvester Stallone is a better actor than Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't think that was ever a question. This is a very good movie. I lost my fucking mind about the 4K disc because the 4K disc is literally the same quality as the Blu-ray disc. It might have more detail, but the colors and HDR are so screwed up that there is no reason for me to ever watch the 4K disc. This isn't staying in the collection, but I felt like I should mention that. Also, everyone who says that this disc is good, I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Maybe different setup. Ah, but like, yeah, First Blood, very good movie. Cool. Uh, let's talk about The Apartment. Uh, this is some 60s. Oh, you don't want to give a rating or anything? Oh, right. Fuck. Fuck, I'm the one that forgot the rating this time. Uh, Rambo, First Blood, great movie. Uh, what do I have? That's like a three and a half, four out of five. Love that movie. Classic action movie. I'm going to give it a... Also, I didn't even... Ah, fuck, I just skipped right over Rambo. I don't know where my head's at. Great movie, by the way. Classic action movie. Uh, I love uh, Sylvester Stallone, too. I missed my chance, so fuck it. But yeah, good movie. <laughs> oh hold on shit uh, one thing i also want to mention god this is gonna go terrible uh first blood is weird because like you can definitely tell that it feels like it wants to handle itself seriously but the way that the movie handles action it also doesn't become so jarring that this very grounded movie about a man who has ptsd eventually becomes first blood part two where this man is just mowing fuckers down by the by the fucking truckload god, I, if you ever happen to watch some of these newer rambo movies like i actually still think they're kind of fun but good lord <laughs> it gets pretty 
be I want to see whenever they give a shout out to um, the Mujahideen. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Okay, next, uh, next. Uh, Kill these. All right, the apartment. 60s Kino. Really good stuff here. I enjoyed it. This is uh, a 1960 movie from a director I don't remember right now, but he's in a bunch of stuff. Some like it hot, some other stuff, which is on my watch list now. Uh, first half of this movie was really, really great stuff. Uh, second half, it's kind of a different movie, and then it feels like it drags a little bit for me. Uh, which kind of brings it down a bit, but overall it's still really good. Um, it's just cool going back and watching some of these old movies from like the fifties or sixties or any of this time, kind of black and white stuff. And it's just filmmaking was so different back then. And so radically different, like it changes every year, but especially back then it was just so many things mm-hmm. were completely different. Um, and to see classic stuff like this, just kind of realized with these stories and these actors that I, I don't recognize and have never seen before and a lot of stuff, it's really cool. So I'm, I'm making it a mission this year to definitely try check out some more uh, classic Kino, as I like to call it like this, because this is a really great movie. It's revered by a couple of people in the Discord, specifically uh, Mr. DB himself, who works in Hollywood. And uh, that that man, that man mm-hmm. has good taste in things, and he loves this movie. So I was very happy to finally watch this. You compliment him when he hates your baby Scarface. <laughs> hey, man, not everyone can be perfect. <laughs> uh, that is something that we find out every single day on the Discord, that as soon as someone has an opinion you like, they backstab you almost yep. the next day. Uh, you, on the other hand, do it every oh, hour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Speaking of black and white movies and Kino, uh, Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Hey, wait, wait, I got to give uh, score. This... Scores, scores, scores. Oh, yeah, you're right. Go for it, go for it, go for it. Uh, four to five. Uh, I'll get to it eventually out of ten. Cool. All right, now go. Uh, Dr. Strangelove, or, or How I Learned How to Stop Worrying and Learn to Love the Bomb. I love the fact that the name is that long. It's hilarious. And so is this movie. Uh, this movie is just such a dark comedy about a military uh, man in the u.s trying to start global nuclear war and it is so fucking funny just everything in this movie i don't even know what exactly it is i think it's the fact that everything is so heightened and everyone in charge of button is so fucking stupid and they are so they are so unaware of how dumb it is it is making fun of just all the red tape that would be needed to end the human race so much of this this movie is hilarious it is incredible um Honestly, if most people were to watch this, they'd probably go, I don't understand why it's funny. It's like, well, you probably weren't paying attention to the satire. Um, This movie's very good. It's not saying in the collection, but damn, am I glad that Kubrick continues to not miss for me. Yeah, this is definitely one I want to watch. I haven't seen it. Um, Kubrick's been very, he's been mostly missed for me. Not a lot of hits, unfortunately. But the nice thing about Mm -hmm. Kubrick is every one of his movies feels so different. So I feel like there could be a hit in there for me. um, Because, you know, I do love The Shining. Um, but yeah, no, definitely want to check that out one day. So it's it's on my watch list. It's a, I want to see it out of ten too. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give it a yeehaw while riding a warhead to the ground out of ten. Perfect. All right, I'm gonna talk about Dread. Um, look, I wish I liked this movie more. I think it's perfectly fine. I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just, I don't know. There's just, it's just action kind of schlock to me, uh, but it was good. The action sequences were fun in it. Uh, so I can get why people would maybe rank it a little bit higher. 
Um, you know, it's so incredibly tight, the movie, in terms of its runtime. And I understand that's what they were going for. But I, it's I, an hour and 12 minutes. Yeah, it's, yeah but I, I almost wish it was just a little bit longer because, I don't know, the, <laughs> the, the world of Dread feels so interesting to me. And I would have loved a little bit more backstory just at the beginning, kind of setting things up, just kind of getting a little bit more information before you start going fully into it. But I understand they were going for full throttle and that's very tight and there's not a lot of downtime in it. So I can appreciate that's not what they were going for but yeah i, I mean I, it's good i would I ever rewatch it probably not so mostly kind of a miss for me but you know it, it's fine dread uh I, it's good we both agree it's good this was the hidden alex garland there we go <laughs> this was the movie it snuck in yeah it snuck in he was able to get through yeah i, I thought um, i thought this might have been it honestly so i mean this is certainly the best thing he's ever worked on so credit for that <laughs> So just because I want to add extra story to that, uh, apparently Dread, it does have someone else listed as a director, but I think Carl Urban, whenever he does interviews, he's like, oh yeah, the director? Yeah, never fucking saw him on set. Alex Garland basically directed this movie, but because of the the Writers Guild and all that, et cetera, et cetera, whatever fucking guild it is, uh, yeah, uh, he still had his name on it, but Alex Garland was the main person who actually directed this movie. So that's always going to be funny to me that... Uh, Oh my God, Carl Urban is just like, yeah, no, no, give him the credit, not this guy. Yeah, that that's interesting to me. That's that's fascinating. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 not bad. Like I cer- I certainly do not hate it as much as Ex Machina or uh, Annihilation or Twenty Eight Days Later or any of his other works. So, I mean, credit for that. I still don't think it's amazing. I think people were hyped this one way too much. So it has me a bit worried about the raid because people always talk about the raid like this. So I hopefully enjoy the raid more, but we'll see when we get to it. Is I think that most people tend to talk about dread more than anything else, as in like no one watched this movie, so we should probably talk about it yeah, more and less fair. so it's that good. That's so, fair. Yeah, because it never did. Raid, on the other hand, does have that. Yeah, I think they wanted to have a sequel, but it did so poorly, so that was that was a no go. <sighs> Big shame. Uh, dread is gonna be. Uh, this is gonna be something I rewatch at some point because it's been sitting in my collection unwatched. So we'll see if I like it enough to keep it around. All right, three out of ten. Three to five. Okay, uh, what else are we going to kill? You know what? Uh, this felt like it's appropriate. We're going to throw Willy Wonka in here in the Chocolate Factory. Um, I've never sat down to watch this movie fully through. Uh, the first third of this movie basically having so many non-sequitur skits of the entire world losing their mind for chocolate is something that is so gold that I would never trade this for the world. Um, One scene where a woman called the police and it's like, Oh my god, they kidnapped my husband. I'll give them anything, anything they want. And the kidnappers call, they call the policeman, and the policeman's like, that was the kidnappers. They said that they'll give you your husband back if you give them your chocolate bars of Wonka. And she she hesitates. She's like, how, how long do I have to give it to them? And it fucking killed me that this world is so insane about chocolate and getting into a Willy Wonka chocolate factory that this woman's like do I care about my husband enough to give up a chance to get the golden ticket I don't know so much of this movie is so good I love the fact that Gene Wilder is an app this man is so tired of every single person the moment he meets them this man is not listening to a fucking word anyone is saying and his energy is how i want to handle myself for the rest of my life this movie is great i'm only worried that it doesn't hit for me as hard as i would want it to so i'm gonna send that one to you 
and it, it's very good. It's so fucking good, and it makes me so sad that this. Well, I mean, I mean, no, never mind. I mean, it's a good thing that there never was a remake because it would be so hard to replicate the tone of this movie because it's so irreverent. Almost like if you were to remake it, you might go too hard on it and make it just seem creepy instead of nonchalant. Thank God that never happened. Yeah, you really, this would be a bad one to remake because if you fucked with the tone, you'd fuck the entire movie. And maybe if you had a lead actor that couldn't handle the proper tone of whatever, uh, maybe that might be a problem. Yeah, anyways, that, that yeah, no, no, that would be a bad idea. This movie, though, on the other hand, is great. Yeah, I love this movie. I think it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite movies from my childhood. It's actually been a long time since I've watched it, so I'm so excited to rewatch this 4K cut of it. Uh, that's going to be a great rewatch. I'm very excited for it. But, yeah, I I, I love this movie. There's so, uh, like, well, I'll gush about it a bit more when I get to watch it because it definitely is one of my favorite movies from my childhood, so I, I need a rewatch of it. But it's been a while. But, yeah, I, I love this movie. It's great. Just one extra thing about this movie. I had no idea idea that this movie that's the thing i have not read this or anything but just me watching this and knowing that this movie is from 1971 this thing is a special effects powerhouse like a lot of this movie is pretty impressive from a set design standpoint and whatever they were doing to do special effects because there is one shot that i saw where they were gonna get cut up by the blade from the uh, bubbles that they were burping um, where i looked at it and like they have the two actors you know in the middle of frame you can tell that the way that they're cut out, that obviously it's camera trickery instead of them being on wires. But looking at it, I was still thinking, like, how did they do this? Like, they're, it's not like they did it through CG or anything because you know, that didn't exist. I was looking at it. I was like, how did you guys go in and just get this frame by frame to be able to map it onto this? Because, like, that's what they had to do. They had to go in and basically add it frame by frame on the actual reel. So it's one of those things that... I am impressed by this, and part of me is kind of hoping that before I send it off, maybe there's something in the special effects that shows me how they did that. Yeah, they were they were definitely ahead of its time, I feel like. Um, it was... Yeah, like, I really wish I could remember. Like, it's definitely... Definitely need to refresh my memory rewatch it, but I remember them being pretty impressive for that time period, especially, because you just see... Thick, and there's a lot of wacky things that have to happen in that movie, like, mm-hmm. without spoiling stuff, but th- weird shit happens, and you got the Oompa Loompas <laughs> and all that shit, so... They're, they're, which, by the way, which, by the way, shout, shout, shout out to Oompa Loompas. You know what? Shout out to not making the Oompa Loompas CG, because that would be a terrible mistake. Yeah, thank God no one would ever do something like that look i'm running out of copium here can you hand me something uh, yeah sure i'll mail it <laughs> i got a lot okay i need it after it takes two i i need it a lot after activision <laughs> yeah we're fucked Ugh. by the way my wife almost had a freak out when i told her that crash bandicoot and spiral are both owned by xbox she's like that feels wrong that feels wrong not right and i was like oh my god it's i married a pony it's, it's this is great it's not right it's not right God, you sh- you want to fucking hurt Sony? You hurt Sony. I guess that's that's business. But you know, art deserves its day, and Sony and Crash and Spyro they were they were art beforehand, and they should stay art. And and now they're just business. They're just no, Game true. Pass trash. Games will always win. News will always fail. Um, you can either hate or you can create. Uh, <laughs> I want 
Phil Spencer to greenlight a commercial of Crash walking out of the Sony uh, studios, right? I want him to have a megaphone and be like, hey, y'all subscribe to Game Pass? That's all I want. God, I would hang myself. <laughs> okay, um, th- that was Willy Wonka. You're next. Yep. Wait, no, hold on, hold on. Four to five. Uh, uh, Willy Wonka is going to be uh, that kidnapping scene out of 10. And also, I read a review on Letterboxd. It's like, if you took that one minute and then added the Wonka logo at the end of it, that'd be a perfect commercial. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make that review out of 10. That's true. I like that. Yeah, four to five. Uh, all right. Uh, let's do Lady Bird. Uh, Lady Bird. Uh, movie was really great. <laughs> I really enjoyed this movie actually more than I thought I would. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm slowly starting to realize that I think coming of age movies is like a genre I really jive with. There's a couple in here, uh, but this one in particular was really great. It was done really well, uh, really well acting. The actress's name, I forget her name, but a bunch of people clowned on me for never heard of her or watched any of her movies. I hadn't, but she's really good in this. Um, Timothy Chalient is a douche here, but, you know, I still love the kid. He's great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, he's awesome. How, how can you hate Timothy Chalient? Um, and yeah, I don't know. This is just, this is the kind of movie like I'll actually like, I don't think there's a 4k cut for it, but I would totally buy a 4k cut for it if it was, because this is just the type of movie that I could like, if there was a rainy day and I was kind of feeling sick and I wanted something like fun to watch, I would totally throw that on again. Cause I don't know. It just kind of feels a good comfort food and I really enjoyed it. You see, the funny thing is, is that I was thinking this like maybe a couple of hours ago when I was watching X-Men first class, I was like, man, I really like the sixties. And then I stopped to think, I was like, well, I like the seventies too. Shit. I kind of like the eighties too. And I was like, but the nineties, I'm pretty sure there isn't anything in the nineties that I care about. But Ladybird being so early 2000s almost feels like it's 90s. So, damn it, I think I just like any time that they set a movie in a period. So, Ladybird, whoops. Uh, Ladybird, I can't ever separate it from boyhood in my mind, which is, hey, y'all want some of that early 2000s nostalgia? And then my brain just goes, yes, I released serotonin when you reminded me of my childhood. Please, can I have some more? And Ladybird just kind of hits that for me. It's obviously another A24 banger. I really like this movie. I don't think I've watched it since it was in theaters. All I know is that I did not regret my time. It is pretty much a hangout movie that you get to watch. These people just kind of grow up from like 2000, what, 2003 to like 2007. But like, I'm okay with that. All the writing is good. All the performances are good that I'll just hang out with these people for like an hour, 40 minutes. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I agree with that. No, it, it's it's definitely like I just randomly picked this one on a whim, or I might have done a vote. I forget now, but either way, I'm glad I watched it because very enjoyable. Um, and yeah, like I said, I'll definitely look out for. I might even get a if I can find a Blu-ray copy of it for cheap, I might actually pick it up because I definitely enjoyed that. So yeah, I don't know. Just like I said, I think there's a thing with coming of age stories for me that just kind of hits something for me. I enjoy it. I do. Mm. Ladybird, I'm gonna go ahead and give this a. I will. This movie is good enough that I will watch Little Women at a time. Yeah, I gotta watch that too. It's on my list. Uh, four to five. Uh, what do I have next? You know what? Screw it. Uh, In the Mood for Love. Uh, this was a Criterion Collection movie. It is a Chinese movie. Um, it is about this couple that they they move into each other. They move into each other. Jesus Christ. Uh, that's that's they do. <laughs> Jesus. Um, 
they move into the same apartment complex. They're next door to each other. They find out that because of their spouses, they share something in common. I'll leave it there because it's something that whenever I read the description, I misinterpreted. But, you know, I'm not going to... I'll leave that vague. All I know is that the main mandate to this movie is what if you had a very good relationship? And let's say for some reason... It gets broken up, but it's not on bad terms or anything. Like, you're completely happy about it. It it just, whatever. This movie felt like the director's whole point of this movie was to find these small moments that prove that those two people were in love with each other. And he's like, I'm going to make those small movements into an entire movie. And it succeeds very well honestly i felt like this is a movie that even when i wasn't that tired i was still slightly tired and i felt like oh shit i'm missing a lot but what little i picked up on it's like oh yeah that's the point of this movie this is a movie that if you don't know what you're watching you'll probably spend an hour 20 going what is even happening i don't know what the point of this movie is even the ending is like it's easy to remember what the ending is calling back to, but it's also something where it feels like, what is that just the end of the movie? And it's like, well, yeah, that is the end of the movie. That kind of just answers the entire thing of what this movie was about. It's all about the small things. Honestly, you could have probably named this movie, the little things and it would have fit better than that other shitty movie, the little things. But yeah, this in the mood for love is very good. It's very good, and God, these colors are so pretty, and the main actress, her dresses are immaculate. It's not even a Bach thing. I just look at them like, this is just really aesthetically pleasing. You know how to dress. It was, uh, it's a Criterion, you said, right? Collection? Correct. Yeah, I've heard they're, like, well, I mean, I've seen even a couple, but their Blu-rays are really good. They're basically 4K quality sometimes. They're really nice. Um, yes. So that doesn't surprise me at all. That's cool. Is it staying in the collection, this one, or no? No, 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 no not that it's good. not. Yeah, I really like it, but for some reason, it, I don't ever know what that X factor is. Oh, hold on. I just remembered that the entire movie, it doesn't really have a score. It just, well, okay, it does have a little bit of a score, but it has one track that continuously repeats of the movie, and that track is so hot that I didn't even care. Oh, fuck. What am I thinking? The succession thing going on there with that theme. I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, the problem is, like, that's a series. So, like, you're spending yeah, 10 episodes of them true. doing the same track. It's like, okay, it's kind of getting kind of <laughs> getting old that you keep doing it, but I also still like it. So, you know, can you're really tricking me here. Like, this is an hour and 20 minutes. So it's like, okay, you know what? Kind of milk it. Yeah. It plays it, like, three to five times. It's like, okay. That's fair. I, I don't know. This sounds interesting. I feel like I'll check it out one day. I'll probably add it to the watch list. Um, yeah, like I'll probably at some point, I'm probably going to subscribe to the Criterion channel and just like stream a bunch mm-hmm. of shit on there that I want to see. So that would definitely be a candidate for that. So yeah, for sure. I will say that this is one where uh, please do not fall asleep. Uh, well, sorry, no, do, do not watch this sleepy because fair. if not, you're going to be basically missing a whole bunch of small things. Good to know. Uh, this is going to be a... Uh, the little things of love out of 10. It'll be a, I'm going to add it to the watch list out of 10. Go on, go on. I feel like we need to start speeding this up because God damn this list. <laughs> uh, we're, we're still at an hour and 20. We're, we're okay somewhat. I, you know how it is. We get to the two <laughs> hours mark. It's like, ah, oh, we'll never get to three. And then we hit yeah. three like, ah, oh, shit. Just, it happened again. Just wait till hour four. 
Uh, Looper. Oh, no. <laughs> Looper. Uh, look, I, I really like Looper. Looper's a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, Rian Johnson's sci-fi stuff, except Star Wars, Jesus Christ. But everything else I enjoy. Um, and I enjoy some of his other smaller movies, too, like Brick and stuff. But Looper's really good to me. I uh, got the the 4K Zavi. Actually, this is the first thing I ever ordered from Zavi. It took forever to get here, but a gorgeous, ooh, gorgeous ooh. white steel book. I like it a lot. Uh, yeah, but in general, I love sci-fi stuff and time travel is always interesting and loop stories. So this this was right up my alley. Um, it's like my second or third time seeing it. Uh, really good performances throughout the whole thing. I still don't quite understand why Joseph Gordon-Levitt doesn't look human in this. I've never understood that. But other than that, I, I mean, the acting's really good. Bruce Willis and him are great. Emily Blunt's in here and she's doing a great job too. I love Emily Blunt. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, without going into spoilers, cause again, we're kind of doing these quick throughs and I don't know if I want to go in depth that in depth with it, but the ending for this is really good. It packs a pretty good punch. I think it ties everything really well together. So yeah, I mean, if you enjoy sci-fi stuff and all that, I, I think you'd enjoy this movie and yeah, it's good. I really like it. When it comes to Looper, I will always remember that Looper is my poster child of just looking your audience in the eye and just saying, shut the fuck up whatever it's a movie shut up i don't want to hear your goddamn theories i don't want to hear you talking about fucking cinema sins on youtube talking about ah, this is a plot hole shut up shut up just just don't think about it so much and that that's what i respect looper more than anything else and i think that's kind of what i respect also in terms of knives out that ryan johnson is a good writer just don't let him write a star war um i don't know what happened there and you know what? I'm just going to blame. I'm going to blame J.J. Um, Abrams for that one, because maybe, you know, if it wasn't a sequel, maybe it would turn out better. But hey, that's the last Jedi. And we're probably this is the most that this movie will ever get airtime because I'm probably never going to watch it again. You're probably never going to watch it again. So there we go. Oops. Um, but yeah, Looper is something that whenever I think about it, I just think. This is operating on a higher level than you'd imagine most movies would be, and I'm very happy that it does. Yeah, I agree completely with you. So, yeah, I know, really good movie. Um, I gave it a four out of five. Uh, it's one of my favorite sci-fi movies. Um, it's just, it's more, it's more. I feel like it's more impactful if you go, if you watch this movie yourself and kind of experience it. And if you've experienced it, I mean, there's tons of like, like YouTube videos and stuff like that that kind of dig in and deep go deep dive into this movie. Um, and I could definitely do that, but time crunch. So no, but great movie. All right. Uh, Looper is going to be a, just shut the fuck up out of 10. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I completely agree with that too. There's so many plot holes in the movie, but I don't give a fucking stuff on. No, the thing is that the movie itself just goes, shut up. Does no, it matter? No, exactly. Yeah, totally. Like that, that. What I love is that it's like, look, this is the story I wanted to tell. If you want to look for facts and logic, go that way. If you want to feel something, stay here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Have you ever seen, by the way, quickly, have you seen Breck? No, I know. Do you realize how many directors no, filmographies I, I do? No, I got it. I got Scorsese's it. Scorsese's right there. No, good shit, though. Like a young coming, it's kind of like a coming of age detective story almost. Very good. Very good. Uh, okay. All right. Um, wait, did you give your story? Yeah, already? four to five. We're good. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. In the Mood for Love. Uh, the Tree of Life. Um. <laughs> I, I, I don't fucking know, man. Like, in my brain, when I was watching this, I just kept trying to think. I was like, what is this movie? And the only way I can really describe it is that this is a very religious feeling. Well, maybe not. Hmm. A very faith-based movie i will say faith because religion feels like it needs to be like something organized i want to say 
faith, maybe even higher power feeling movie where this movie feels like it wants to show you why it's worth living. I don't know, man. This movie's starting to become a little foggy to me at this point, even though I know I fucking loved it. All I know is that a lot of this movie feels like if you had aliens and you needed to show them why humans kept going on while also showing some of the shit of why they probably shouldn't keep going, it feels like this would be the perfect movie to show. A lot of this movie feels very loose, but it feels very intentional in its looseness. Like, you'll see the characters interacting with each other, but the camera will just be on a blade of grass or something. You'll cut across them being outside, and their sentences aren't exactly important. It's more about, like, whenever you can think of good nights in your memory, and how you don't really remember the conversations, you just really remember maybe the inflection points in those conversations and the emotions that came with it. What is the tree of life? Even with everything that I've said, I should probably go into that a little, I guess. Um, this movie is about a, well, look again, because of boyhood is coming up again. It is a Texas family. Uh, so, hey, congrats. You fucking got me again. Um, this movie is about a Texas family, them growing up, and I think one of the family members dies, and it has the main character reevaluating his time with his family. That feels very surface level because it's very weird because the movie is definitely shot super art house, but I don't know if it's art house because it feels like there is still a string line coming through about what the point of this is. It never feels like it stops being a movie to just show you visuals, except one part, you know, there's, there's an extended section where it just feels like this is cool and it's visually stunning and the music is good, but I don't really care what's going on. I love this, but the rest of it after that kind of goes back into looking like an art house movie. But once you kind of understand what the movie is supposed to be, which even now when I'm talking about it I feel like I'm talking out of my ass because I don't feel like I remember it well enough I would need to watch this movie immediately and then start recording to be able to tell you about this movie more than how I am right now but that's that's the tree of life I really much like it Terrence Malick is now on my map I gotta try and see what else he's done because if this man just kind of shoots everything like art house even though it feels like okay, it definitely is in the camp of art house but it's also like but there's enough structure here that i don't know if i can fully like yeah it's art house but is it art house eh. yeah i'm like 93 percent positive i'm gonna hate this movie uh yeah but i'm gonna watch it so i i i, I don't nothing else about it though i've heard terrence malick's name before i think dustin really likes this movie if i'm not mistaken um, but that's all I know. Yeah, his love is the reason that I watched yeah. it. I was like, well, you know what? You kind of didn't score one with Evangelion, but like you're on the right track. So if you if you gave me a recommendation, sure, I'll try it. Yeah. So I I I, I kind of want to see it at some point now because I've heard I've heard enough that's interesting to me. But yeah, I like from everything I've heard, I don't think I'll like it. I don't think this is gonna be a me movie. But I mean, we'll see at some point. No, no, you will just think, ah, you know what? This was a pretty movie. I don't care about this at all. 
Give me a narrative. Which, uh, which I'll get to that in a few minutes, but yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Tree of Life is going to be... Uh, it's going to be a mood out of 10. As the arms crossed, but I'll watch it out of 10. Mm-hmm. All right, continue. Uh, nobody. Uh, so th- this movie is a lot of fun. Take John Wick. Put Bob Odenkirk in there. Hey, it's fun. Uh, it's basically what this is. It's a good movie. Um, you know, I it's basically exactly what I expected going into it. I I don't I'm not gonna rush out and try buy the 4K to get this in my collection, but if I ever see it dropped at a cheap price, you know what? I'll probably pick it up because yeah, it was a good movie. Uh, I will say this though, and this is for you in particular because I know you like this shit, but in general for anyone else who wants to watch it. But the there's a there's an action sequence specifically in this movie that takes place in a bus, and it might be one of my favorite action movie sequences I've seen in a long time. It's so well shot and really well done. It's definitely the highlight of the movie for me. So. I see someone on Mercari selling John Wick trilogy for nineteen dollars. I offered them seventeen. Um, that's the closest thing I can have for nobody. Uh, honestly, nobody. Okay, hold on. Can you tell that it actually is those actors? What do you mean? Can you tell that it's Bob Odenkirk kicking ass? Uh, I wouldn't say. Okay, let me. Okay, let me counter your question with a question. Can you tell it's Keanu Reeves kicking ass? Oh yes. Okay, then yes. Oh. Okay. All right. Um. Then, okay. You know what? Nobody. I'll watch it eventually. But there's a lot of shit. Like the the raid movies is another one. That that the problem is that there's so much fucking stuff where it's like, oh, how am I ever gonna get to this? I'm gonna fucking die. Uh. Yeah. Nobody. Eventually, out of ten, I want to see Saul kicking ass. Uh, Three point five out of five. Oh shit! I turned off my phone when I'm the one who's next. Ah, fuck you, phone! You should be unlocking. Ah, shit! Get away from me! That's Mercari. Uh, the Outsiders. Um. Okay. So, The Outsiders is a movie directed by Francis Ford Coppola, and there was a video I watched. I don't know, man, like it was two or three weeks ago. It feels like longer, so I'm just going to shorten it because that's how time works now. Um, They were talking about a movie that he directed. You know, I'm going to look it up. Just send me the filmography. There we go. Oh, fuck. What movie is it? Is it one from the... What fucking... Okay. Francis Ford Coppola, New York Stories. Is that it? No. Where the fuck is this movie? Okay, I have crazy. no idea where this movie is. <laughs> I'm, I I think I'm... Okay, hold on. No, no. I'm, I'm going to look up the goddamn YouTube video because this is starting to drive me insane now. Did this will you actually hear? Probably nothing. No, I, that's so much of this is probably going to get cut. Oh, there we go. Here we go. I found that. Is it... Brian De Palma, motherfucker. My entire thesis of this is gone. It was Brian De Palma that <laughs> shot that scene, not not Francis yeah, Coppola, right. motherfucker. You're, you're fucked. Oh, well, you know what? I'm still going to make this argument like if it wasn't Brian De Palma. So, sorry, Brian De Palma. You no longer directed Bonfire of the Vanities, okay? It was Francis Ford Coppola. Get fucked, Brian De Palma. I'm sorry, okay? Um, So... In the video, the title is The Most Difficult Shot in Movie History and Why It Matters. It is a YouTube video by Patrick H. Willems. He is one of the YouTubers that I like very much. He talks about how Brian De Palma, but now for the sake of my argument, it's going to be Francis Ford Coppola, how he 
shoots movies where even though it is something that is very bog standard where honestly you can just kind of go a camera b camera and get the story how brian de palma does not want to do anything in that movie that you could probably shoot very easily how he wants to keep challenging himself to be able to milk out every shot that he can to be the best that it can be so I feel like that same mentality went into The Outsiders. What is The Outsiders? It's the book that you probably read. I don't read books. I'm disgusted by them. I don't even know how to read, honestly. Um, the Outsiders stars so many people that you look and it's like, how did you get all of these people in one movie? How the hell did you do that? We're talking. Emilio Estevez, Matt Dillon, Ralph Macchio, Patrick Swayze, Rob Lowe, Diane Lane, Tom Cruise. How did you get all these people in this movie? Yes, it's 1984, where probably before all of them had their careers. But the question is, how the hell did you have this many people who had good careers in one movie? Impressive. Um, it's about... Uh, these kids it's the 1950s they've got their gangs and they're being dumb that, that's about it like that's really what it is and what i'm so impressed with this movie more than anything else is that there are so many shots in this movie where he follows the brian de palma kind of school of thinking in that other movie where even if it's something that you can probably shoot standardly, he wants to make it as creative as possible, and I appreciate that. Shit, I non-sequitur for his... Well, no, I'm going to non-sequitur a non-sequitur. Uh, what I was talking about with that video, basically, uh, Brian De Palma opposed the idea of using... Um, stock footage for airplanes uh landing and that's pretty much most what movies do they just have stock footage of an airplane landing or departing and what he did is that his second unit director he was like i bet you can't get a pretty shot of an airplane landing so what they did is that they spent like eighty thousand dollars just trying to figure out how to get a shot of an airplane backlit by golden hour as well as getting the World Trade Center in the shot. And th the whole video is fucking wild. Like, it's so good where it's like, oh my god, these people really went through the effort for stuff that now most of the time people will just go, oh, we need it in Golden Hour? Well, we have that package in Adobe Premiere, so the lighting is going to look really good if we just put it in that little spot. We got that ray tracing, it's going to look great. And it's like, ah, I kind of missed this. But yeah, The Outsiders, it's a movie that you can tell so much effort was put into, and it turns out really good on the other side. Also, that ending hit a lot harder than I thought. Is this one I'm going to keep? No. Still really good, though. Yeah, I haven't seen this movie in so long. I think I watched it in school, actually. <laughs> like I think they made us read the book and then yeah. watch the movie. Um, and yeah, I remember really enjoying it and I'm sure I would probably really enjoy it if I watch it again. So that's definitely a project for one day. I mean, you know, good old Mr. Francis Ford Coppola and his heyday, man, making some goddamn Kino shits. So good on the man. And, uh, yeah, like you said, there's just a stack cast in there. There's so many good, so much good young talent in there at the time. And mm, it's just well acted and well, really just a good movie from what I remember. The Outsiders is going to be a 
that specific shot whenever the stabbing happens out of 10. <laughs> that that shot is, oh, oh, my God. That was the moment where I, where I transcended about how beautiful that shot was. Probably about like a three and a half out of five for me for now. But rewind. Okay, go for it. You're next. All right. Sorry to hurt your heart, but I'm putting this here. Uh, Akira, look, I understand why people like this. Yeah, that's fine. I, I get it. I, I I get why people enjoy this. It just the, the story did absolutely nothing for me in this in this movie, man. Yeah. Uh, the animation is absolutely stunning. So full props for that. Yeah. Uh, the soundtrack's actually really good too. Uh, I really enjoyed the music yeah. in this. But yeah, like this, the, the animation is definitely the highlight here. It's it's far ahead of its time, to be quite frank. Yeah. Like it's really good and, and really beautiful. Um, but yeah, I just did not care about anything else that was going on on the screen. It, it just kind of felt like I was getting half a movie at points. Like I just didn't feel like I was getting yep. the full picture, which apparently there's a manga you're supposed to read and <laughs> come on to get the full story. So, <laughs> uh, that ain't happening. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I definitely get uh, you, especially I, I get why you love this. I can get why a lot of people love this. Unfortunately, this one did not click for me. Animation's gorgeous. And if you got that, that's all you needed. Yeah. So, uh, that's it for me on Akira. You know, listen to somebody who actually likes it. I'm not going to go on for it for too long. So, I give it a 2.5 out of 5. Look, I talked about it at some point. You go back to whatever that episode is. Look, it's just a gorgeous movie. I like audio and visual. If you're just stimulating me, that's enough for a movie for me. Fair enough. All right. What's next on your Um, fuck off list? Oh, hold on. Score. Uh, I'm going to say that opening skyline shot out of 10. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Okay. um, Oh, it looks gorgeous on 4K, by the way. Which shout yes, that which too. by the way, I'm, I sent I, I sent it to Brandon, so he's gonna get my copy. So somebody that actually likes it can appreciate it. But uh, yeah, gorgeous on 4K. So God, I really should watch that movie without the HDR again, just so I can get pissed. Because <laughs> man, without the H- yeah. HDR, it's rough. thankfully there, like, there was geez. HDR on this copy. So <laughs> like, it, it's Rambo. It really is just Rambo. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna bundle these two together because I like how close in my mind they sat together which is full metal jacket and jarhead two marine movies full metal jacket feels like it was a direct well not a direct inspiration but it feels like it was definitely one of the inspirations going to jarhead so full metal jacket that first half of the movie is fucking goaded it is gold it is undefeated it is easily one of the best hours of movies that you can get from a war movie it is incredible there is nothing about that drill sergeant that i would change for the life of me i respect that drill sergeant so much because stanley kubrick is already an insane director who expects so much from their actors he was the drill sergeant instructing the actors of how to you know act like marines but whenever they got the actual person who was the marines instructor he was like no no no, i can do this better the fact that this man stood up to stanley kubrick's casey ass and went i can do this better and probably told kubrick fuck you this is my take i have to imagine that those two people either saw eye to eye of each other and didn't give each other shit or this man bent over stanley kubrick and it's like we're gonna fucking do this shit my way and it's incredible now the good thing is is that when it comes to um full metal jacket the second half is really good the second half only really happens if it is you know preceded by the first half i get that the second half is still good the problem is is that that first half is just so fucking good that anything else that happens after that was gonna be set up to feel like a disappointment so now 
Full Metal Jacket, the reason I wanted to put these two movies together is that the there's a certain character, right? There's a character who goes a little crazy, you know, goes a little nuts, right? And something happens to him, right? Something, you know, right? I don't want to exactly go too much into details. What I will say, though, is that if that character were to get a movie of themselves, and if you were to jump ahead like a decade or so, that character would be Jake Gyllenhaal on Jarhead. Full stop. So let's go into Jarhead now. Uh, Jarhead... I could have sworn was an Iraq war movie. I've watched it once, and that was when it was on DVD from Blockbuster. Um, so basically, with Jarhead, while Full Metal Jacket feels like it always feels like, yeah, the Marines are insane, but at the end of the day, they're not really to blame for any of this. So when it comes to Jarhead... It feels like that movie is like, yeah, the Marines are still doing good, but the problem is, is that everything about the red tape, about going into war, that's the thing. It, even Doctor Strangelove feels like it feeds into a little bit about this. Basically, the politics of going to war has basically just ruined their ability to be able to do good. And I guess being able to lower the bar of who can be a Marine. Well, that's the thing. Anyone can be a Marine if you want to go through the training. But there's something, I guess, about the people now aren't cut out to make the best Marines. And that's Jake Gyllenhaal's character to a T in Jarhead. He's like, I don't even want to fucking be here. It's literally just that this is it was either this or college. And I'd rather choose this Jarhead as well is gorgeously shot actually you know what because i'm talking technical let me jump back to full metal alchemist fuck you fuck you weaves i can't stand you did this to me full metal jacket is a movie that looks incredible in 4k but man it sounds soft i don't understand what it is like this is a war movie it should not sound this soft jarhead on the other hand a blu-ray disc was kicking Full Metal Jacket's ass on the sound department. It doesn't even know what Dolby Atmos is, but my sound system was able to figure out, I don't know how I fucking did it, where it would send the audio to the ceiling speakers, and they were some really good scenes where, like, the famous scene with the oil um, spigots uh, shooting oil into the air, it sent the sound effects to the ceiling. I was like, this is incredible. But Jarhead, to me, feels like it is a movie about how people would go into war expecting Rambo and expecting that. Okay, there's a scene in, um, there's two movies specifically in Jarhead that pop up and basically tell me everything about this movie that I needed to know. Which is one scene where they're watching Apocalypse Now. And it's the famous scene where the helicopters are storming the beach. And all of them are going, yeah! They're all cheering. They're all so hyped about the violence. And you're like, yeah, but Apocalypse Now didn't like this at all. Like, that is supposed to be a moment where it's like, man, this is kind of fucked up. It's still really exciting, but, you know, it's something where it's like... Yeah, this probably isn't exactly good. And you have that. That's one movie where they're all losing their mind to watch. 
And then they have the deer hunter. They were going to watch the deer hunter. Deer hunter, on the other hand, is nothing to be celebrated about. The deer hunter is a movie that is so clearly against everything that was going on. It never has a moment to be exciting. It is just a movie that's like, yeah, war fucking sucks. And it never stops to try to give you excitement through it. And what I love is that in Jarhead, they were going to watch Deer Hunter, but then something happens that stops them from watching the movie. I won't mention that because, you know, it's 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 a moment. But yeah, Jarhead feels very much... That's the thing. They go the entire... Well, mm, mm. They go the entire movie without doing what they were set to do as Marines. And a lot of the movie just feels as pointless as what the Gulf War was and the War on Terror was. It's so perfectly for this time that the movie taking place in like taking place during the Gulf War is like, yeah, sure. It's the Gulf War. Wink, wink. It's just Iraq. Jarhead is incredible and Roger Deakins can fucking line up a shot. This man kills, and this movie needs a 4K cut. Would I get it? No, but other people should probably watch this as high quality as they can. Yeah, so Jarhead's fantastic. I love that movie. Uh, it's a really great movie. Jakey G, my boy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, course, Jakey G, of course. Said. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. no, I really like uh, I like it a lot, so I'm definitely with you there. Um, and then Full Metal Jacket, like that actually, all that shit you just said has me more interested in Full Metal Jacket now. Still haven't seen it. So that's on my list one day of things to watch. But yeah, all that shit mm. you just said definitely has me a little bit more intrigued to eventually watch that one. So again, there's a couple Kubrick movies out, out there that I still hope can can hit for me. And that's definitely one of them. That's probably actually the one I have the highest hope for out of all the ones left. So uh, here's hoping. Uh, but yeah, man, Jarhead. Jarhead's so good. I love that movie so much. Uh, that's great that the audio kicks so much ass too. I, cause there's a lot of explosive moments in that movie. So it's good mm-hmm. that it uh, it sounds good, and yeah, I would love a 4K cut of that film too because it's definitely a really great one. I would uh, I pick that up pretty damn quick. But I really love that I was able to watch these movies in quick succession. Be- well, not quick succession; it was a couple of days in yeah, between. It's still quick. But being Full Metal Jacket is an anti-war movie from the 80s, but it is a movie that you could imagine that if someone just jumped into the second half, they would misinterpret it as another rah-rah movie, and that's what Jarhead is about. Jarhead is about rah-rah war movies, but then finding out that this type of war with the Gulf War and Iraq War and subsequent wars about that, how they aren't exactly wars about fighting nations anymore it's fighting ideologies so you're not going to go in and just start mowing people down it's literally just how do you fight an idea and how maybe marines and just how most modern how most warfare is handled just isn't equipped for this so yeah jarhead is really fucking good i could probably just give it an entire special episode and probably be able to carry it easily I just don't know if I'm ever going to watch it again or if I even want to go through that process, editing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like Jarhead is on that level easily. Oh, yeah, for sure. Def- definitely a lot to talk about and chew through in that movie. Uh, and if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this, definitely watch it. It's uh, I don't I'm not a huge war movie guy, but that's definitely one of my favorites. It's really good. Full Metal Jacket is just going to be Drill Sergeant looking you straight in the eyes and tearing you apart piece by piece. And then Jarhead is going to be a Roger Deacons out of 10. 
<laughs> of course. Mr. Deacons. I, uh, Jarhead's like, I think a four out of five for me. And then, uh, yeah, Full Metal Jacket is like, I need to watch that soon out of five. Kind of unrelated. I just think this is funny. Um, I was telling my dad about how Jarhead was gorgeous. And I was talking to him about like, oh, man, we need to watch Skyfall eventually. Mm-hmm. And I showed him the shadow fight in Skyfall. And I started talking throughout the scene. I was like, man, it's just a slow push in. You see them fighting. You can tell that it's them fighting. It's not crazy cuts. You got the lights in the back. You've got the cool shadows because of it. You got the muzzle blare, um, the muzzle flash being the only source of light to show you them every once in a while. And my dad's like, yeah, I'm not watching that. I'm just like, oh, man, look at the fight scene. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. This is how I watch everything. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay. Uh, you, you have it next. Uh, Dune. I rewatched Dune. I mean, look, I've talked. We've... Ah, 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 ah. So good. I mean, we've we've talked about Dune a lot on this podcast. I mean, my notes literally just say Dune, 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 Dune five times. Um, and that's basically, I, I mean, it's my favorite movie of last year. It's fantastic. Fuck Best Buy for scratching my steel book. You guys are a bunch of assholes. Um, but yeah. Canada, at least. Yeah, I got it, at least, because it's a rare one. Uh, I mean, yeah. Oh, no, no. I just mean that it's Best Buy Canada. For some reason, yes. Best Buy Canada yeah, Best Buy Canada's what trash. GameStop USA is. Yes. Yeah, Best Buy Canada's trash. So keep that in mind, you American listeners. Uh, but yeah. It, uh, I, I love Dune. I, nothing changed on my second viewing. It's still a five out of five for me. Uh, we've talked so much about this, so I'm not going to spend more time on that. Just great fucking movie. Amazing. And I have rewatched it because I got the steelbook as part of my collection. So awesome. Great 4K disc. Looks fucking fantastic. Sounds great. So yeah, it's awesome. We basically strapped a, a special episode to an episode mm-hmm. to trick you guys into listening yeah. to it. So like, what else can I say? I guess I can say that I bought two steelbooks because I knew that it was going to be stonks and I was fucking right because these steelbooks are selling for $100 pop baby. Contact me if you want to buy a sealed copy. $120 to the first person who messages me. And if you call right now, Janet's on the phones right now. I mean, sorry, Janet Jr. Jr. is on the phones right now. If you call her, I'll give you an extra 10% off discount, okay? Call now. We miss you, Janet. Come back. Well, I mean, yeah, Janet's been dead. Like, Janet Jr. Jr. Sorry, Janet Jr. 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 Please don't give her any shit. She might fire us. I don't know how much leverage she has. She could cancel us very easily. I mean, I mean, do you know how much how much footage she has of just us saying slurs at the beginning to test out our vocal cords? Like, she can ruin us easily. Yeah, okay. We love you, Janet. Junior, Junior, Junior. Janet Junior, 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 please don't ruin us. Please, please don't. Um. Okay, Dune. Yes, uh, the Dune is also going to be a... Um, uh, out of 10. Perfect. Five out of five. You know, let's go Shiva, baby. Shiva, baby, is anxiety in a... a, a teenager not she's not even teenager she's a young woman uh shiva baby is anxiety put in a young woman's jewish body and it's oh my god there was a perfect review on letterbox that said this is uncut gems for people who think that going to law school is a personality trait (laughs) i saw that review and it's true man i got a lot of uncut gem vibe during this movie man it's it's great i love it this movie so much of it is just like 
Ah, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. And I swear that you don't see, you see like maybe two people's feet throughout this entire movie. And what I mean by that more than anything else is that the camera doesn't pull wide almost at all. It is in close ups for almost the entire movie. And you're just, you feel so claustrophobic in this house with everything that they're doing. You're just like, ah, please relent a little bit. Please let me give a small breath. And the movie goes, okay, here you go. Here's a small respite. She's going to go into the bathroom. You're like, oh okay thank god and she's gonna forget her phone in there it's just gonna be a look you're like no please please stop oh my god shiva baby is so good it is a tight what 80 minutes like oh by the way because i knew that i was watching so many movies this month i tend to look for the shorter movies it's gonna be a trend at least for the rest of this month i don't know about next month we'll see but yeah shiva baby incredible if you look it up it's not going to show that it's streaming anywhere, but at least in the U.S., it's on HBO Max. If you search on HBO Max, it's there, but Google doesn't list it. And you know what? Fine, whatever. It's a tiny movie. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be angry. Yeah, no. It's So I watched it on It's Crown Crave in Canada, um, and basically it was Mac recommended this movie to both of us. Um, and yeah, no, it, like, it, man, I, 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 I got a thing, like, I really hope, and, and obviously there's been movies like this before, don't get me wrong, but, you know, Uncut Gems was pretty popular and a lot of people talked about it. And, and I really hope this whole anxiety fucking, I want to hide my eyes, but not in a horror way, trend continues in some movies because I love these type of movies and they're so horrible and they're so hard to watch. <laughs> God, is it a fun time by the end of it? And uh, yeah, this was this was a lot nicer in the way it ends. And there's a lot of, uh, but there's some cringe moments in this man. And yeah, there were times where I was just I looked at my phone not because I was bored, but it's like I cannot look at the screen right now. I just physically can't look at what's going on. It hurts, dude. It's funny to me because to me, you have cringe on the spectrum, right? right? You have comedy cringe on the other end, and that's where you have the office sitting, and then you have dramatic cringe, and that's basically Shiva Baby yeah. and Uncut Gems. Yeah. Where you're just like, I, it's not cringe how you think. It's literally the physical act of cringing. Mm-hmm. Stop, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it just it it doesn't relent a lot, and even those seconds you do get a reprieve, uh, they're quickly taken away. <laughs> you don't get them for too long. Like there's that one scene where where she's like where, where the the girl the, the the guy's wife is trying to get her to hold the baby, and it just like it's just zooming in on everyone, and they're all like talking in slow motion at points, and everything's getting hazy around her, and just the anxiety, and everybody's like tugging at each other. It's like oh my god situation is fucking horrible i hate it dude the idea that that movie just has a baby and the baby knows specifically perfect times when to cry it's like oh my god this movie uses the baby so effectively that every time you hear it's like ah ah." yeah (laughs) it's so bad (laughs) oh god Shiva baby is going to be a, I feel pain at a 10 and I, the sigh afterwards is worth it at a 10. <laughs> it's a four out of five. Definitely worth it. Very, very cringe inducing though. So keep that in mind before you watch. We're getting close to two hours. I'm, I'm in fear. <laughs> How many do you have left? Uh, let me see. I've got seven and I can bundle two of them together. All right. I should probably knock some off because I've got 14 left. Fuck! So... Go! <laughs> I should, I should probably knock some off here. Shouldn't I? All right, let's go.
Uh, let me go for. A, I haven't had dinner yet. Let, let me go for a bit, and you jump in if you want to say like if you want to put one of yours in here anywhere. Okay. Go All for right. it. All right, Dunkirk. Uh, we've talked about Dunkirk a lot, so I'm not going to you yeah. know go into it too much. Uh, I think it's imp- I, I think I've actually improved on it a bit since my last watch. It's still at the bottom of Nolan's filmography for me, but it, the same way that Sicario is for Denny. Uh, I mean, I just love both of these movies, but they're just not my favorites from that particular director. Uh, great movie, doesn't relent till the very end, and you finally get your breath. So, still love it. Great movie. Dunkirk, I should have never watched again outside of theaters, but at least it's a good way to test my theater setup. Perfect. So, yeah, okay. Dunkirk, I'm going to stop there four to five. Go for it. Keep going. Okay. Uh, no rating? Uh, oh, no, that was my oh, rating. Oh, well, that was your rating. My bad. All right. I didn't hear the out of five. Oh, yeah, I added out of ten. I, 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 of ten, I missed it. There you go. All right. Uh, I'm going to bundle these two together for obvious reasons. Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. Yes, I'm rewatching the James Bond movies, all in beautiful <laughs> four crispy K uh so i mean we've talked some about bond here too but i'll give it some minor thoughts here casino royale it's still fucking amazing i love the movie rest in peace chris cornell love your song love your intro it's fantastic uh it's just you know his name yeah you know his name so good okay uh it's the Mm -hmm. dark gritty reboot the franchise needed uh after some of those pierce brosnan movies it's crazy to me how young fucking craig looks in this movie compared to the end which uh, when i rewatch no time to die i'm gonna laugh even harder at that but yeah he looks so young here um fresh young-eyed bond it was perfect for the movie so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah uh, All right. Um, this is going to be the Sean Mason appreciation hour yes. again. Um, Mr. Mason, you have platinum near replicant. I'm so proud of you. I don't know how you still like the game after that. I think I appreciate you even deeper. I think your incredible son told me that you were thinking about a tattoo for uh, from near. I would say wait until you play Automata, either the Yorha symbol or the angelic writing or a lunar tear would make good tattoos. I'm very happy you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy Adamata. Yeah, a lunar tear would be really cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, so again, shout out to Sean Mason. He, <laughs> he sent me that Skyfall Steelbook, so I'll be talking about that next week. And, uh, ooh, I'm excited to watch Skyfall again. That's going to be fantastic. Definitely going to spend some more time on that one. Uh, but yeah, because uh, then Quantum of Solace, man, I still hate this movie. I actually think I even hate it more this time <laughs> around. It, it, it just bores me, man. The, there's the 10,000 action cuts throughout the entire movie, too. It's just it's so poorly directed. Uh, I don't know, man. I just don't like this movie, and I don't want to even talk about any anything else about it. It's just, uh I, I we'll see. I'm going to rewatch Spectre. Maybe Spectre will fall lower in the rankings than it, but I don't know, man. I just I hate this movie. I really don't like it. Quantum of Solace, I'll probably just really quickly echo whatever I said almost a year ago now. Jesus Christ, I've been doing this for a year. Um, Quantum of Solace feels so much like a movie that if it were handed to a director that probably wasn't doing this during the writer's strike and when the entire industry was in turmoil, could have probably been a really good movie and it could have been a solid trilogy between Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, and uh, Skyfall. But nope, it had to fucking suck, uh, at least from a technical standpoint. I think that if you actually took the narrative and did it again, this would have a chance of being really good. Yeah, that, that's totally fair. Uh, okay, I'm done. Two out of five. Um, Quantum Solace is going to be the Mathis scene out of ten. Oh, and like literally that's probably the entire movie. Yeah, and then Casino Royale was a four out of five. Uh, Casino Royale is going to be a, um, it made me want to go to Venice and I still want to go. Out yeah, of Venice would be really cool. Uh, all right, let's bundle another two here together. We'll talk about Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and War of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, oh, so sorry, apes. Yeah, I'm sorry, apes. Like, I mean, everything is going to get a little bit shafted here. But, I mean, these are just really fucking great movies. And to be honest with you, I mean, they, they you could just do a special episode on these all on their own. 
Um, they're, they're, yeah. they're fantastic movies. They're, they're barely the perfect, like, as I want to say, a Kino blockbuster. Like they're just they're mm, they're yeah. they're just blockbusters that higher are made quality. on a higher quality and a higher level, and you don't get that many anymore. Unfortunately, you know you got Nolan doing his thing. Unless there's an IP attached, and yeah, or an IP, or it's basically Nolan or Denny. Uh, but there's no one else doing these anymore. And but these Apes movies were so well done, and I have all the hope in the world for the Batman after rewatching all of these. Um, I think War is my favorite of the three. Um, not by a lot though. I mean, Dawn's really close for me, but I do think war is the best yeah. of the three for a lot of different reasons, but I think it just, it's packed such an emotional punch at the end and the story of him basically yeah. going and freeing all of his people. And Woody Harrelson is just great in this and in that role. He's psychotic and so good. Um, yes. and yeah, it's just such an achievement in capping off that trilogy, which I find sometimes the third movies, they're harder than you think because you got to tie everything up yeah. and kind of end them strong, but they nailed it and did it absolutely perfectly in my opinion. So, um, and yeah, Dawn itself is really good. It's crazy how many actors I recognize from like TV shows and stuff, especially in that movie, yeah. but there was a lot of them mm-hmm. in that, but they all did a really good job. And I mean, Caesar's the star of the show for all these movies anyway. Yes. Fuck the humans, you know, Caesar's the best. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing I'd say is apparently there's a reboot happening now. Like terrible idea. Uh, I have no interest in that. Especially, like, I mean, if there was if thanks, there was a con- if there was a continuation, I'd, I'd have some cope, like some copium. But with a, a full on reboot, mm-hmm. no. I, Disney doing it, fuck, fuck off. So no, 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 no. Uh, these are very good movies. My God, they are so much better than I expected them to be. I remember that during the Dawn for the Planet of the Apes trailer. No, sorry, not Dawn uh rise wait rise no no it's dawn oh i always hate that they should probably be flipped um dawn of the planet of the apes i always thought it was going to be a meme movie because i was like monkeys on horses with guns monkeys on horses with guns and then when i watched it like a year or two later i was like oh my god this is actually a real movie this is actually really good i went to go watch war in theaters that was also really good and I don't remember when it was probably like 2019, 2018. They came out in 4K, so I bought them. And then I just put them on the shelf. I was like, yeah, you're probably good. You're probably just going to stay here. But of course, with the shelf rules, which I guess since I haven't mentioned in a while, for some reason, there's new people listening. Quit while it's ahead, but I'll try and explain it for you anyways. Uh, The shelf, if I like it, it goes on the shelf. If it doesn't, well, it just doesn't, right? I need to love these movies. So whenever I have the shelf, I can point and be like, those are my favorite hundred movies or however the shelf can fit i will not get another shelf if it is a movie that i love another movie must get knocked out that i love less than that so that is it um i actually reevaluated these i think probably in hold on it's 2022 i created past the pixels in 2021 so it's probably 2020 that i reevaluated them and they earned their spot in the shelf easily these movies are so damn good, and it does make me sad knowing that what you had said about Kino Blockbuster, how you can probably have people make some really good shit, but the problem is is that they, the executives are like, ah, well, we need it tied to something so we know it makes money. Yeah, you could probably make a really good movie, but we need you to tie it to the Planet of the Apes film because the charts show that people care about this IP. Yeah, I agree, and... I just, I honestly don't, fuck man, I don't trust Disney for shit. Oh, not at all. No. Never. Like, I just don't. Unless there's a director. Yeah, unless there's a director. I mean, there's a couple directors they could attach to that might make me excited, but then I'm going to, I guess my question is going to be, it's going to have to be somebody that's going to do a better job than Matt Reeves. And like, I I just, 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. It's going to be hard. So we'll see. I don't know, man. But do you think that Matt Reeves is going to do a better job than Nolan? Or do you think he's just going to do something different? Yeah, true. That's very true. That's so uh, yeah, if you get it, hopefully you get somebody in there. You're right. That can make something different. But knowing that does Dis- different. No, yes. knowing Disney, I fucking doubt it. They're probably going to tie it into the fucking MCU. <laughs> No, no. What I was thinking is that you just have so- okay. So you know how all the Disney remakes basically have like a a self aware slant to them. Like uh, what is it? Uh, like the Lion King. I think the Lion King basically the remake comments on itself, and it's like, oh, we're self aware about the complaints. Oh, Beauty and the Beast. She just has Stockholm syndrome. Like they're self aware of the joking complaints that people have, and then they fix what was never a problem in the first place. Do that for the Planet of the Apes. I don't know to figure out something that was a joking problem about them and make that the entire issue. There you go. Now you have a soulless Disney remake. God, I just fucking cringe listening to all that. Oh. Don't like yes, it. I know. That's that's exactly what Disney wants you to do. They want your hate dollars. Yeah, I don't like it. Fuck Disney. Uh, the movies are they made me care about apes out of ten. Yeah. That's the that's the right score. There you go. Dawn's a four out of five. Uh, Wars a four point five out of five, and probably my second favorite trilogy of all time. I'm going to jump in here with my own combo. Uh, Princess Mononoke and Howl's Moving Castle, Mm. which are Mm. probably Mm. uh, one and two. I Mm. think Howl's Moving Castle might have become my favorite Ghibli because it is perfectly just this right tinge of magic and at the same time just a bit of existentialism. Big fan of that existentialism. I'm not going to lie, the opening whenever Hal runs into, I don't even remember her name, and I'm not going to look, look it up because that might uh, extend the runtime. <laughs> whenever they start flying and they start walking through the sky and the music was soaring, I was like, I love this. You've won me over. This is going to be really hard for you to not get on the shelf now after that scene. And Hal's Moving Castle is gorgeous. The Moving Castle itself, it's incredible because you definitely yes you can definitely tell that it's 3d animated but the textures that they put on there are so obviously hand drawn that you don't really care about the fact that the motion is smooth and like it looks like the motion was made a bit jankier so it looked a bit more like it was fully drawn it is a feat of animation that i am so impressed with yeah. Now, oh. I feel like Howl's Moving Castle, I feel like I can leave it there. Princess Mononoke, of course, the time I watched Princess Mononoke was like at 3 a.m. Probably not the most optimum way to watch that movie. My wife saw it, and she's like, hey, you know what? I kind of want to watch that because you left be- me behind, you asshole. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Granted, fair point. So we watched it, and Princess Mononoke, damn, still good. The only thing is that I think probably a little after the halfway mark, after you get introduced to the deer god, I was like, this dipped a little, and that's enough for me to go Howl's Moving Castle as the new number one baby. I'm sure, yeah, that, so for me, it's, I, like, I'm just shocked we have the same number one and two, although, albeit in different orders, I have Howl, for now. I had uh, Mononoke move, I had Howl, um, but fuck, I love Howls so much. I'm so glad that somebody else is on my side about this because I, I, a lot of people in the LSM Discord, especially it seems, kind of think this one's overrated and I don't get it, man. Like this is the second ever Ghibli mm. movie I saw and I I, I, mm. I I think it's better than Spirited Away. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I fucking love Howls. Castle. And I don't know about that one. I only watched it in theaters. Well, I still have the steelbook there. So, so we'll, we'll, at some point, yeah, it'll be we'll, we'll have to reevaluate that one, I guess. But oh, yeah, Howl's is just such a it's the the, the castle. Like you, like you said, the animation on it is just so outstanding. 
And yeah, there's just, there's something about that movie that just hits really hard for me. And mm, I adored it. I just did a rewatch of it myself. Uh, really glad to hear that one made it on the shelf because that one's definitely a soft spot for me. And I think besides Mononoke, that's if, if Mononoke is my favorite animated movie of all time, I think, uh, I think Howl's is probably second. So also just in general, God, do I love Ghibli's art oh, style. So good. I love it. My God, I actually felt really sad whenever Sophie got turned in. Uh, yeah, you know what? It's early in the plot, and it's the whole <laughs> yeah, you're good. Plot, so I can say it. Yeah, Sophie being turned into an old woman made me so sad because I was like, "No, I love the way she looked. Please don't." Do... But then eventually, you just kind of see the old woman. I'm not going to say what I was going to say next, but like, eventually, that drawing grows on you more and it's like oh damn it good you did it still but like oh my god the sophie's art is just it just clicks with me so well i i don't know what it is but like i oh movie's so good also shout out to turnip head turnip head is the best we we stand turnip head here on passive pixels god i should name this turnip head but you know this is burying the lead so hard that i don't i probably shouldn't do that um <laughs> Uh, Howl's Moving Castle is going to be a turnip head out of 10 and Princess Mononoke is a my wife liked it out of 10 nice glad to hear she enjoyed it too uh, Mononoke is a 5 out of 5 for me and uh, Howl's Moving Castle is also a 5 out of 5 I adore both those movies very much screw it I'm going to slaughter another one we're going to get Scott Pilgrim out of the way Scott Pilgrim vs. the World very fucking good I kind of thought that maybe it would be a little too much of its time yeah it kind of is but it's also so visually stylish and its own thing that you're like yeah this is definitely late 2000s early 2010s but this movie is so visually stylish that it knows what it is that it overcomes it it's probably just more the people that because i know those people it's like oh well yeah that's of that time but still oh my god honestly if you look at scott pilgrim and you look at all the people that they grabbed it's like oh how the hell did you get all these people as well but it's also before their careers you know either tanked or before they rocketed but still scott pilgrim incredible black sheep no, no matter how much shit that we can throw brie larson's way she's saying black sheep and it's better than the original version. So Brie Larson's version of Black Sheep, we stand on Passive Pixels. <laughs> yeah, great. Scott Pilgrim's fantastic. I've actually only seen it once, I think. So I'm very excited to rewatch it. It's I got it on 4K, so I'll be watching it on the collection watch here pretty quick. Um, and maybe we'll have more time to dedicate to it. But yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, Edgar Wright is an incredible director, obviously. The man doesn't miss. And I mean that when I say that literally. I don't think he's ever missed with any of his films. Uh, so Facts. yeah, great movie. Uh, I mean, what else can you say? Hello again, friend of a friend. I knew you well. Dun, 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 dun. Out of ten, uh, four to five. Very good. All right, uh, that's it. Uh, back All right, to you. let me kill some more movies here. Let's bundle these together. And this one hurts, but there's actually another reason why I'm going to do this specifically. Uh, so Blue Velvet and Mah Maholland Drive. Look, here, here's the thing. Ooh. I would love to have a deep conversation about these, and I'm going to, f even if, even, I know they're on Ed's watch list, and he'll get to Lynch eventually. Um, mm -hmm. When he uh, when he watches these, we're going to have a deep conversation about it. I'm going to force it. Even if he hates these movies, I want to have a deep conversation about them, because there's so much to talk about with these movies. Um, I will say, one thing I'm going to ask you specifically and, and anyone listening to this that hasn't seen these movies, you don't have to watch them back to back. It's a big time commitment. I don't expect that. But whatever you do, watch Blue Velvet first and then watch Mulholland Drive. 
don't flip that order. Okay. Noted. Anyways, uh, look, there's so much to talk about these movies, but because you haven't seen them specifically, I don't want to go into any spoilers or anything like that. All I'll say is this Blue Velvet's very good. Uh, it feels like an 80s movie, definitely. It's this kind of erotic thriller <laughs> that they love to do in mm-hmm. the 80s. I'm not particularly fond of those. Those aren't exactly my jam. So this one doesn't hit quite as hard for me because of that. But hey, it's an enjoyable movie. There's a lot of good stuff about it. Definitely enjoy it. Uh, Mulholland Drive specifically, now that is a masterpiece. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. It has entered my top 20 now after rewatch of all time. And it will stick around in there and we'll let it simmer and see where it ends up. But I fucking adore that movie. Very glad I grabbed the Criterion for it, which by the way, the 4K cut in this Criterion is beautiful. Criterion is kneeling it on their 4K so far, which I'm so happy to see uh, because the Uncut Gems one was amazing too. So, yeah, this is a great 4K cut, though, uh, and it's a fantastic movie. And just seeing these movies and watching them so close in proximity to each other. I'd never seen Blue Velvet, but I had seen Mulholland Drive a little ages ago. I just find it so fascinating just seeing, like, you got David Lynch making these two films at two completely different points in his career. And it's so obvious to me that Blue Velvet is when he still had, like, a bit of optimism and faith in the world. And Mulholland Drive <laughs> is just him when he's fucking done and i love it so it's probably another reason why i like mahala drive a little bit better but yeah they're both incredible movies um i cannot recommend Maholland drive enough but if you do watch them do take the time to watch blue velvet first uh because i think that will add to the experience even if it doesn't hit as hard for you but i still think it's a very good okay scores for those uh blue velvet is a 3.5 out of 5 and Maholland drive is a 5 out of 5 all right uh I will get to those eventually at a 10. Now, I'm going to go ahead and bundle these two together because what is a better chaser to Blue Velvet and Mulholland Drive than Speed and Speed 2 Cruise Control, baby? Yeah, you got you got very, very thematically similar movies there. Obviously, you know, both of them, all of them like going fast, obviously, okay? You got a bus, you got to run that bus over a bridge. It's okay. You'll be all right. Um... Speed one made me really sad. Um, Speed one made me really sad knowing that this movie was made by Fox in the 90s and now Disney owns it and Disney being probably uh, single handedly the reason of why we don't get movies like Speed anymore because the era of the IP and the era of the superhero uh, came in and basically said we're your blockbusters now speed you mean a creative idea with leads that you want to watch what we can't market a movie off of that put iron man in it and then we'll make a billion dollars watching this movie for some reason just that's what i think about my dad being like that's what you see i'm just seeing people punch each other and it's like yeah exactly this is how i see every movie speed is that exact thing i was enjoying myself so much during speed because speed is just so content with being what it is and it just wants to have fun and i love it it's just being fun also i had no idea that this movie was radar i kind of was watching it the entire time i was like man this is a really hard pg this is good um again another thing that's dead uh successful rated r movies that aren't tied to a superhero thanks disney um speed is very good uh keanu reeves i think actually acted for a little bit which i didn't expect but hey it's there uh but yeah speed very good very creative i enjoyed this uh speed 2 um i kind of expected it to be funnier to laugh at but 
really it just kind of felt boring the only thing that came to mind while watching this is like man you really had the unfortunate unfortunate fate of having a boat movie where water floods things in 97 in the same year as titanic Ooh, that's a rough one there yeah that uh that's not an enviable position as a i don't know about that nope yeah, yeah i gotta watch speed man <laughs> i really do i really want to watch <laughs> these movies um, especially the, like, well, I don't know about the second one so much, but the first one I definitely want to watch. Um, there's a really nice 4k steelbook on Zavi that I've been eyeing, but I'm like, I'm not going to commit to that if I don't know if I like the movie or not. So I'm going to probably stream it at mm-hmm. some point, find a place, uh, see if I like it. And, uh, if I do, I might have to get that steelbook because I don't know, it seems like it might be a fun movie. That's an enjoyable nineties romp. I'm going to go ahead and give speed a, Please start getting more artists to write songs for movies again. Oh, wait, hold on. Okay, well, that's the score out of 10. And another thing that I miss so much about 90s movies in general is bring back the foundry hammer. What is the foundry hammer? In your head, if you can hear a hammer hitting a piece of metal in a song, bring back the foundry hammer, okay? I love the foundry hammer, and it's something that is so 90s that you can hear like in in your head if you imagine the matrix if you hear the moment whenever i don't remember what it is i think it's neo or trendy they're like i'm going into the matrix no stop like you'll hear in the background clink 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 i love the foundry hammer please bring it back well hopefully somebody listens to you and does that um no one ever with us uh, i'm gonna give it a I think to get the full experience of cinema, you should watch Blue Velvet and then put in Speed 1. Then you watch Speed 2 and cap it off with Mulholland Drive out of 10. And that's cinema, folks. It has drive in the name, so I really believe it. Um, Oh, yeah. Speed 2 Cruise Control. Um, The best part is the title because the title makes me laugh out of 10. Perfect. All right, let me try bang. Oh, wait, shit. I want to mention this. I told my wife the name Speed 2 Cruise Control, and she's like, are you joking? Like, that's the name? And I'm like, like, yeah, it's like you're, she's like, you're fucking with me. There's no way that it's titled Speed 2 Cruise Control. It's like, nope, that's the name. They didn't, uh, didn't really think about that one. Well, or they, they thought it would be edgy and clever. Those, those were askles. Those are askles. Uh, all right, speaking of, speaking of going, well, okay, if we're talking about speed and, and things going fast. Let's talk about Train to Busan. Um, oh, 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 oh. yeah, there's, there's a segue for you, uh, train to Busan. Mm-hmm. So I actually really never even heard of this. Uh, again, bets happen all the time. This was another bet. So shout out to parrot, Mr. Brian B Parrot, who, by the way, just finished uncut gems a little bit ago and loved it. So that's good to hear. Um, good, but man. good man. Exactly. He's, he's expanding. He's expanding his cinema horizon. I'm watching his career with great interest, <laughs> but yeah, he recommended this to me and I actually really liked it. I think it's actually pretty fantastic. I'm not a big zombie movie guy, especially now. I, I just, I think it's so overdone and I'm basically over it, but yep. no, this is enjoyable. It's uniquely done. It's a foreign film, uh, Korean, I think. Um, but yeah, really well done there. Um, it kind of like, I don't even like this game, but it kind of felt like if Dead Rising was ever to be made into a movie, it'd be something like this. Um, I don't know. Mm. It was just a lot of fun there. Um, it's kind of a unique setting for it, and they do some unique things with the regular tropes of it. Um, I, I don't know, man. It was just a lot of fun. It had a really good heartfelt ending, I felt. Um, not ending, excuse me. I mean, heartfelt story in general. Like the story was just, you know, it's basically about a dad who's protecting his daughter throughout this entire thing. And so that's an easy way to get you to connect to it. But I mean, I didn't want to, I didn't want to throw this kid over the side of the train. Like I normally do in these type of movies. Let's put it that way. So that was a point in its favor. That's actually impressive. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and yeah, the only other thing I really got to say is it's a shame. Apparently I looked up this director afterwards and apparently the rest of his movies are really bad, especially the ones that have come out after it. So I don't think I'll be <laughs> exploring that filmography any further, but, uh, Hey, at least he got one good one in there. I'm actually surprised Jake Gyllenhaal wasn't in this cause it sounds like his, uh, his trademark. Yeah. Train to a son. Probably never. Even if I hear it's a good zombie movie, it's like, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I probably would have never watched it either if it wasn't prepared, so I don't blame me. Okay. Maybe I'll get my, you know, you know that's the score. I'll have my hand twisted out of 10. Perfect. Uh, I'll, I I think I've still got more than you, right? How many do you have? Two left. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Okay. I got six, so let me go here. <laughs> Start uh, killing the ones that don't matter. Oh, I've already done that. That's what I started Shit. with. These are ones Shit. I actually liked and wanted to talk fuck. about. <laughs> oh, this show's a mess. We need to cancel this shit at some point. It's okay. We'll just go here. Here, I'll, you can shit on this one for a second because you know how much I love it. I'll talk about Sin City. Look, I fucking love no, this movie. Yeah. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'm just bugging you. You know that. Um, okay. You just because remember the other day you posted a screenshot of movies that you're like, why? What the fuck? Why did I watch this? And Sin City was in that. It hurt. That's it, it was lodged in there. Like it's not like <laughs> I hate Sin City. It's just that when I think about it, it's like. Yeah, okay, and that's it. That's fair. Uh, look, I love this movie. I got it again. I got the steelbook for it. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time, honestly. I think it's just a classic. Uh, every shot of this movie just feels like it's ripped straight from a comic book panel. And yeah. It just looks gorgeous to me. Great directing, great style. I've always liked Robert Rodriguez's directing, even though even if I don't like all of his stuff, um, I think his directing style is pretty cool. Uh, Jessica Alba, bonk. Um, and yeah, there's just a lot of good, uh, tales in this one. I like the stories they went with just seeing the yellow bastard on screen, man. I would love a 4k cut of that because he would look amazing in 4k, but he looks absolutely as reprehensible and disgusting as I remember originally. And I don't know. It's just, it, that movie really vibes with me and I dig it quite a bit. It, it just, whenever I think about it, it leaves no impression on me. And I don't think it's enough for me to even be angry. Like, Oh, it didn't leave me anything. Like, no more of just, eh, whatever. That's okay. I'm not going to get mad. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, shout out. By the way, amazing cast in that movie. So many good people. Yes. In that. Uh, rest in peace, Brittany Murphy. You were good in this too. Not in a ton, but I saw you and I was sad because you were gone now. So, a lot of good cast in it. Uh, definitely, I don't know. It just feels, and it's 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 a shame the sequel was so bad because holy shit, the sequel to this movie's terrible. Uh, Could have done something cool with it, but of course they fucked that up. So yeah. Also, shout they out to the Weinstein. Got Eva Green, and they fucked it up. True. Shout out to the Weinstein's because I'm sure you're having fun mm. wherever you are right now, buddy. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know about shout out being <laughs> the right word. Cancel. Let's go. Uh, no, this isn't what I. You know what you. Uh, Okay, you know what? We're just going to... I'm going to force your hand. We're going to yeah. talk about Sink Street. Fuck you, Weinsteins. Fuck you. Ugh. Why would... Okay, yes, raping women, really bad. Wow, you, I really can't say that and say but, can I? Um, also, fuck you for not getting any song from Sink Street for a nomination for an Oscar. Not oh. even a goddamn nomination. You couldn't find the rest of your fucking money for hush money to get these women to shut up and you couldn't put just a little bit money to get drive it like you stole it nominated fuck you oh my god i actually have that as a note you totally kneecapped me that's funny but yeah no i actually literally have that as a note saying uh uh, where is it here? Uh, the original songs in this are fantastic. Seriously surprised there was no Oscar nominations for this movie in the music department. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, back to Sin City. That's a that's a four point five. That's a 4.5. <laughs> it gets me angry every time I think about it. Okay, we'll, we'll go back to Sing Street. I got, I got, I got more. I got to bang out here because I want. We got to talk about Sing Street too. But yeah. Okay, uh, Sin uh, City. Um, uh, it, it exists out of ten. I'm not offended. Good. Okay, old boy. Uh, you know, actually, you, you think I'm doing this a disservice, but this is one Ed has to see. But again, this is another Mulholland Drive for me where we have to kind of, I think we need, both need to see this and we can have a much better conversation around it. But let's talk a little bit about it. Look, it's shot wonderfully. It's director that was such authority and it always kept me on the edge of my seat while trying to piece together what was going on. So I really appreciated that. Uh, this is one of the best foreign films I've ever seen bar none it's an absolute stone cold classic that i just can't understand how somebody could watch this and be like ah, this is boring i don't like it like fuck you 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 don't understand cinema if that's your taste um i definitely need to rewatch it again because it's complex and there's a lot going on in it and i think my my, my opinion of it might even get higher uh, amazing performances in this i watched the sub i didn't do the dub um, and Good the man. sub was fantastic uh, it was just, you know, brought to life with good stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the ending was great too. I mean, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still thinking about that movie. And I'm glad I took a chance and decided to buy that Gold Boy Steelbook. So it's not getting any cheaper and it's pretty hard to find. So yeah, got a good deal on that one. I don't think I can dip head first in with Steelbook, but I did see it for $35. And I'm also really close to thinning out all the movies I could watch alone. Now, at least from the tangential, the, the spirit of my wife that looms over passive pixels, uh, she doesn't like anything even slightly dark. I have no idea what old boy is at all. Is that enough for me to be like, yeah, I could probably watch this alone alone? You were watching that one alone. Do not okay, watch good. that one with your wife. Okay, good, good. Okay, then th that does speed up the process of me getting it, but the also problem is that it's $35, and part of me is thinking, like, yeah, it's probably worth that much, but I could also take $35, and I could buy a whole bunch of other movies, and that will last me a little bit longer before I have to buy more again. So, oh boy, I'll get to it eventually, out of 10. Bold prediction, and I could be completely wrong on this, and I'm wrong a lot of times, so if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Bold prediction, though, you end up watching that movie, and you end up going out and buying a steelbook. But we'll see. Mm. Uh, I don't know uh, if I like any of the steelbooks I've seen, though. Yeah, Gold Boy's great. Once you see the movie, you'll get it. But anyways. Uh, okay. uh, uh, four and a half out of five. Great, fantastic movie. Uh, okay, okay, I'm going to keep going. How many do you have left, sorry? Two? One? Two left. Two? Okay, let me do, like, one more. Um, or maybe two. <laughs> uh, yes, I know. Who, this is rough. Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, yeah, great movie. Just classic. It holds up so well. The animation's great. The way they blend it with real time. I mean, this is usually a can be a bad trope if it's not done right. I mean, look at Cool World. Uh, this was really well done, though. It was perfect here. Uh, the 4K cut of this is holy shit clean. Um, we'll talk about Apocalypse Now in a minute, which is also going to get butchered hell. But oh, this sorry. is this is honestly nearly Apocalypse Now level of clean. Like I could not believe how incredible this 4K looked from a Disney release too. Disney usually doesn't give a shit about their 4K, so I was stunned by this one. Like just like, it must have been being worked on by somebody else or something. I don't know what's going on with this, but it was gorgeous. Um, the, I mean, I mean, Who Flamed Roger Rabbit's classic. It's it's Robert Zemeckis. It's I mean, it's up there with Back to the Future with his movies. It's it's so recognizable and it's so well done. Um, and also praise to be Ed for making me keep this steelbook and not letting me cancel it because he was right on that one because this one's going for like a hundred dollars too, baby. 
AB called Janet Jr. 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 He already watched the Steelbook. We're going to be selling that one, too. It's going to be $3,000. Call us now, and we'll give you a 10% discount. Let's go. Thank you, Janet Jr. Jr. We have actually negative 10 calls. Uh, she's taken. <laughs> she's actually called a bunch of her family members, so we're in the negatives now. This is going bad for us. <laughs> Fuck. <sighs> okay. Um yeah roger rabbit it, it, it very good movie uh it, it's robert zemeckis at his most robert zemeckis which is man look at this technology in this movie look at this shit uh it's very good robert zemeckis fell off ratio that's sad uh, keep, keep going i'll oh, keep going where were you going great movie i loved it four to five yeah yeah special effects out of ten <laughs> Go, I love it. Hey, let's just fucking go right into apocalypse style. Let's fuck this up further. Look, look I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, look, we, gonna can rush all, we can rush all we want. I don't give a fuck, but I'm gonna fucking talk. Okay, first of all, this movie's utterly fantastic. It's great. It's a, it's a masterpiece of a movie. It's fantastic. But holy shit, this final cut and the fucking, the fucking dinner scene. Jesus fucking Christ almighty. This has got to be one of the most out of place scenes in any movie history. And it just destroys the pacing of the movie. Like, can we just talk about this for a minute? Yeah, go for it. It's just that you, you already know that I'm looking at this. I'm like, fuck, this, how did we speed run this shit? And we're still here. It's so bad i don't understand how you could have a scene in the movie that drives it down that bad it's so frustrating to me i mean everything else in this movie though is just kino as fuck uh, it's kind of funny to see how much spec ops actually just kind of ripped from this movie yes. in retrospect which you can't uh, forget that it's basically heart of darkness that they all ripped it from true true that, that's very true uh, but yeah, I mean, this is an epic war movie. It's so incredibly well acted. The 4K cut is probably the best 4K cut I've ever seen. The movie literally looks like it was filmed yesterday. Uh, Lionsgate bangers, they don't miss, do they? You know what we need now? We need a Heart of Darkness album so they can have a great movie, book, and video game, and album, just so they hit every medium. <laughs> yeah it would be great ain't no shit that, that's a good idea i like that you should uh you should work on that okay cool it, it's all just gonna be um it's gonna be sympathy for the devil uh by the rolling stones but just 12 tracks of that on a disc and it's like ah yeah that's that's a uh, heart of darkness the album for sure <laughs> yeah but anyways that's it i just wanted to get that fucking french scene off my chest because this really pisses me off man that's such a bad scene so definitely pick the theatrical cut the theatrical cut doesn't have that it's definitely an improvement for sure dude i don't understand how the hell francis ford coppola made so much good shit but he's like also really insistent with both his cuts it's like no keep the french it's like why yeah i don't understand that either man like i mean obviously the guy made the godfather godfather part two and this like the guy knows his shit but man he's i don't know like i swear he just has a momentary weakness of like the french ah, i can't fucking explain it at all Seriously, know. the beef that I have with Ridley Scott over the replicant thing in Blade Runner is what I could imagine someone having for um, Apocalypse Now in the final cut. Yeah, fair. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, it literally, it literally brings down the movie for me because Apocalypse Now is like a four to five for me. That's how I rated it. It would be higher if it was not for that. That's how much I it's hate okay. that scene. Just give it the extra half point since you know you're going to watch the theatrical and love that. True. That, yeah, that, that would absolutely be a four and a half. I still don't think I'd go to five out of five on it, but four and a half out of five for sure. So. 
Okay, got it. All right, uh, go next. Uh, or should I just grab one right now? Grab one. Go. Okay. All right. Uh, X Men First Class because I want to save the Brady Bunch for last. Uh, X Men First Class. Boy, so you got three been... left. No, two. X Men Brady Bunch and Sing Street. No, no, you watch Sing Street. Oh, I'm dumb. No, 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 no. That's the thing. I just so was stupid. pulling it from your list. Like, I'm that's so what I meant. Stupid. Okay, Gary. It's okay. Sing Street is lovely. Um, okay. X Men First Class. Um, this movie, I love it more than what's actually here because I started watching it critically. Like, I already know I like this movie. I wasn't really watching it to try it and, like, you know, just like, ah, I want to watch it again. It's been sitting out of the collection for a while because it was one of the early movies that I pulled and I was like, I need to reevaluate you. Like, are you good? Should you stay here? And then I started watching it. And there's a lot of things in this movie where it just feels sloppy. Uh, the CG hasn't exactly aged too well, uh, but for some reason, because this movie feels like it's a bit cheese, it gets away with the fact that the special effects aren't that good. It, it, it kind of just has that 60s cheese to it that I think uh, makes me forgive a lot of it. Um, it does feel like there's a whole bunch of things that whenever it's like actually being directed, it feels like there's even a couple of things where... It, like it's inconsistent in what's going on with the scene. I don't mean the characters themselves. I mean, like literally, I don't even know, man. I don't want to take up more time, but basically it is a flawed movie, but I still love the sound of this movie more than anything else, because it's got that sixties rocking guitar, the at least the sixties spy guitar. Right. And then both, well, I mean, honestly, Michael Fassbender is a fucking king of this movie. This man kills it. I don't know what it is about putting Michael Fassbender in a bar with Nazis, but every single time you do it, it's fucking gold, right? Um, but yeah, X-Men First Class, I, I love this movie way more than it actually is. Like, I think it's good, but I love it as if it were more. And I think at this point, I'm probably going to be looking for a steelbook. That's awesome. I find X-Men movies are interesting in the sense that they're either like fucking hit so goddamn hard or they're just so atrocious to me. I don't know if there's ever been an in-between for an X-Men movie. And uh, yeah, First Class is definitely one that hits real fucking hard and is real fucking good. Big fan of that movie. Mm, yeah. Uh, gonna rewatch it. It's been a while since I've seen it. So I don't know if I'm going to go out and steelbook it, but uh, I'll definitely be looking for a 4K cut for that eventually. I just will say that if Logan did not exist, I think the Argentina scene uh, would probably be the best scene in any X Men movie. That one or the uh, Magneto picking up the submarine out of the water. Like both of those scenes just hit so hard for me. That's fair. Yeah, those are great scenes. Uh, X Men First Class is going to be a. Dun it, dun it, dun it, dun it, out of 10. Uh, I think I give it a four to five, but yeah, I definitely need to rewatch that. It's been a bit. Okay, uh, carry on. I only have one more left. Yeah, I have two, so I'll do one here. Uh, the Tragedy of Macbeth. Um, mm. Look, this is honestly, you know, I'm not a big cinematography guy. I appreciate it. I like it, but it doesn't carry a movie for me. That being said, from a cinematography perspective, this might be one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. Maybe ever. Like I, I'd, I'd have to rack my brains to think of something I've seen that I think is prettier than this. Every shot of this movie just feels like it's a fucking painting and it's all done so minimally and it's all in black and white and it's 
absolutely stunning. It's a very minimal movie, very stripped down, very just very all stripped down. You can tell the budget was not big for this. Like, I, I guarantee you all the budget went to the actors in this movie, which they've got some great fucking actors in this movie. But, like, it's just very plain set design, everything like that. And it's just you're making fucking art with this movie i mean i love the story of Macbeth in general so i'm a little bit biased there i think it's maybe my favorite work from shakespeare um that i've read well i haven't actually read it but that i've seen and adapted plays and all that stuff um and i gotta give him credit i fucking hate apple i think apple's the devil you know how much i hate apple but holy shit i stream this i got a three-month free trial of apple tv with the lg tv Apple's streaming service is no fucking joke, man. This is in 4K yeah. HDR, and it it I think it's better than Amazon Prime, man. It just fucking looked incredible. So props to Apple for that. Props to the one Cohen brother who did this. I'm not uh, Ethan or Joel. I forget which Joel. one. Joel, thank you. Uh, he killed it on his own with this movie. This is very different from other Cohen brother movies. You can't go in expecting a traditional Cohen brother movie. Uh, and for the love of God, I, even if you don't normally watch a movie with subtitles, for the love of God, watch this one with subtitles. Because holy shit, if you don't understand Shakespeare, this is a hard one to get. But really great. The cinematographer is Bruno Del Bonel. Um, he shot an interesting list of movies that has me like, oh, oh, uh, Amelie, uh, okay. Paris de Tami, um Across the Universe, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, which is funny. I saw the Harry Potter in there, and I was like, what? What? Huh? And then I started thinking, and I was like, actually, Half-Blood Prince, I feel like I can visualize that movie better than I can. So it's like, oh, okay. You get points for that. Interesting. Inside Lewin Davis, he shot that one as well. It's like, oh. Oh, so that's where he did the Coens. Okay, interesting. And, And no, that's the thing. I think from there, he also did, let me see. He did the Ballad of Buster Scruggs and then the Tragedy of Macbeth. So he just seems like a guy that the Coen brothers kind of like. Yeah, fair. I mean, this was a match made in heaven for this one, man. Like, it is such a gorgeous to look at movie. Thankfully, the actual contents of the movie, too. I mean, it's Macbeth. So if you under, if you if you know what Macbeth is, you know exactly what you're getting with this movie. You're not going to be, it, it's not going to knock your socks off. It's just an absolutely fantastic rendition of Macbeth done in, in the most beautiful way you can imagine is the best way to put it. Wait, hold on. Oh. Wow, okay. Uh, He is a Leo when it comes to the Academy Awards. He was nominated for Amelie, A Very Long Engagement. He was nominated for Harry Potter and Inside Lewin Davis and Darkest Hour. Um, That's interesting. He he has to get nominated for this, to be honest with you. I don't know if he'll win it, but he's got to get a nomination for this one again because it's stunning, stunning work in my opinion. Stunning. Okay. That's okay. That's bullshit. Um, in two thousand nine, do you want to know who won cinematography? That's gonna piss me off. But who? Two thousand nine. I don't know. Do you want to guess? Two thousand nine. Uh, hold on. Avatar. Oh fuck. Yeah. Fuck off. Come on. Okay. Come on. No. Avatar doesn't really have cinematography. It's just competently oh, shot. There's nothing that's really milking stupid. it out. They're just, they're taking the 3D thing and they're like, oh, that's cinema. No, that's not how it fucking uh, Okay, okay let's not go that far. Let's not go. Oh, shit. I forgot to put Rango on the list. Oh, oh no. Well, this is a shit, shit show. <laughs> oh, fuck. When did I watch Rango? Oh, no. Just punt it to the next episode and cheat. Put it on there. 
no, I need to, I need to, because you know what? Rango is getting put into here and it's just going to match it into the time in the, in the timestamp. Okay. So that's the thing. If you want to make the argument that avatar is like, Oh, just put the camera there. Then like, that's the cinematography. Rango was shot by Roger Deakins and you can still that fuck you can still fucking tell that Rango was shot by Roger Deakins because some of those shots in that movie is like why is this so pretty there is no reason you needed to put an effort into this movie like you did but you did it so I'm gonna go very quickly and talk about Rango Rango is very fun um I felt like I walked into it and I think it, people are hyping it up more than it actually is and I think that might be in the same reason as in Dread where I feel this movie probably got ignored that people talk it up more so hopefully people are aware of it i don't hold it against it i just think that that's probably what it is people talk about this so much that it feels like people are rating it higher instead more just trying to spread awareness about it okay there we go we got rango out of the way it's in the <laughs> picture maybe you can talk about it later but still nominated in 2009 avatar harry potter the hurt locker inglorious bastards and whatever the fuck the white ribbon is but like dude how i Harry Potter was hanging out with the rest of those movies. I feel like I need to go watch the Half-Blood Prince again because I'm going to hit Control F. I am currently on the Wikipedia page for Academy Award for Best Cinematography. I'm just going to write in Harry Potter. Yeah, Half-Blood Prince is literally the only time That's it got nominated. That's interesting. Huh? Yeah, that I'm so curious now. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised though. I'll say that much because I've never seen anything like Macbeth. Like that just has me excited to watch the other uh, Coens he did. <clears throat> like it's just beautiful, beautiful. So four to five, really loved it. Okay. Um. Yeah. I I may at some point bend the knee to Tim Apple at some point to watch this out of ten. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh. I only have one movie left, so do I go or do you keep? Do you want to end on Sing Street or Brady? It's up to you. I don't care. Oh, I'll end it. Okay, we'll end it with Sing Street because, of course, right? Um, Brady Bunch movie. There is no reason for this movie to be as fucking great as it is. This movie, I dare say it. I thought 21 Jump Street was the first movie to take an original, like, old show, make fun of it, but still kind of show the appeal of why people liked it. Brady Bunch movie is the 21 Jump Street of the 90s, and I cannot fucking fathom how that even happened. Um, specifically, I tried looking through, and I was like, who the hell was behind this to have made such a fucking comedic movie right and the only thing i could come up with was that like it wasn't really the directors like i don't really think that a producer is really going to be that important what i think is the the reason that this movie is good is the fact that the two writers who wrote that 70s show well that's the thing there's more writers on that 70s show but the two people who specifically were casted with creating it hold on i'm gonna bring it up there are three people that are uh, credited for creating that 70s show. Bonnie Turner, Terry Turner, and Mark Brazil. Now, here's the thing. Bonnie Turner and Terry Turner wrote the Brady Bunch movie. And I, that's the thing. I really like that 70s show. I, like, I think it's one of those sitcoms that even if you took out the laugh track, it would still be really funny. And that's usually a good sign for older sitcoms. This movie 
is so fucking bananas that like I have no concept of the Brady Bunch as a show. But in my head, I would just think, oh, the Brady Bunch are basically full house of the 70s. Like, I'm pretty sure I don't feel like I'd be wrong in assuming that. And then the Brady Bunch movie feels so much like it's like, we are going to respect the fact that those are the Brady Bunch. They are just these positive people who never see the negative. And then the movie also goes, yeah, but we're going to beat the shit out of them. And it's going to be hilarious. And it was right. I don't understand how the hell they were able to pull off a very... um phil lord and chris miller move where they get to have their cake and eat it too at the exact same time where they get to basically parody the brady bunch and also celebrate why people cared about them and i'm so convinced that the brady bunch movie was used as a template for bonnie turner and terry turner to show look you see the brady bunches in that movie we understand what the 70s are like so give us that 70s show. We'll get this aesthetic right. Also, one thing I want to mention, it is so fucking hilarious to me that the Brady Bunch movie, their house looks so fake. It made me laugh every single time they just went back to the house because the rest of the movie just feels like, yeah, this is in the 90s, right? And then you go into their house and it turns into a sitcom. I have no idea how they made all of these characters basically so unapologetically like, ah, smile, smile, smiles. And yet the movie does it so well of like with a wink and a nod of, yeah, don't worry. We know that this is uncomfortable and you're going to like it. And Jesus Christ, they are right. Also, shout out to Jan Brady, okay? The middle daughter had me fucking dying almost every single line that she had. Incredible. And it makes me sad that that girl does not have more of a career. Um, Anything else? I'll think about it if I think of it. But like Brady Bunch movie holy shit wow i oh i don't know if i'm getting this one on blu-ray i still want to sit on it before i commit yeah i don't know I, i'm i'm trying to figure out if i've like, while you were talking i was listening obviously but i was trying to figure out if i'd seen this movie and i still don't know <laughs> i still <laughs> cannot figure out if i've seen this movie or not so i don't know i'm gonna have to check it out at some point and, and see a if i have seen it and b if i've seen it. i've definitely watched the brady bunch before i know that much 100 percent but I do not know if I have seen that movie. So I can't offer too much in the way of this other than to say, like, I remember growing up watching some of the Brady Bunch and remember the hijinks being fun. But that shocks me to hear that movie is even decent at all because it seems like that'd be such a weird kind of cash in 90s movie, right? But great. That's interesting. It makes no sense that it's actually great like i am so impressed by the sharp ass writing also every single double entendre sex joke lands ridiculously hard where i was like how are you landing this consistent of a hit rate i this movie baffles me about how good it is. Yeah, I, I'd be baffled too, I think, honestly. Like, you you, 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 th you look at movies and you're like, I think this one could be bad, this one could be good. And you see a Brady Bunch movie, a cat, like a 90s movie, you're like, oh, it's going to be shit. Uh, did you have any experience with the Brady Bunch before that? or No. 
None. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. No, no. Yeah. Outside of just general cultural osmosis, I've had no experience with the Brady Bunch. Sounds like a hit, then. I wonder if you'll oh, we'll have to stay tuned and see if it ends up in the collection or not. There, it, That's the thing. Apparently, it only came out on a Blu-ray copy with a very Brady sequel. So I think I might watch that, and that might be my deciding factor. Fair enough. Oh, it was a sequel, too. Hopefully, that one's decent. Yeah, but here's the thing. The fact that the title sounds as self-aware as that, it's like, ooh. Ah, all right, all right. Uh, so, yeah. Brady Bunch movie is going to be a 21 Jump Street out of 10. It's. I really wish I could figure out if I've seen this out of 10, but I guess I'll find out eventually out of 10. I don't know why I did that twice, but blunder. Okay. God, everything's a shit Sing show. Street! Sing Street! Yeah. So, I mean, I don't give out, like, we don't we, we don't give it awards on the show, except for last week, the Great Tendies episode. But mm-hmm. if I was to give this award, this would be, like, the, the most shocking I've enjoyed a movie of the year. I know it's only just started, but it'll probably last for a while. Look, I thought I'd enjoy it. I actually didn't know if I'd enjoy this movie or not. I didn't know that much about it other than your undying love for it. Um, but yeah, this movie is pretty fucking incredible. It's so, there's just such a, a warm, positive, like just almost relentlessly so feeling about this movie. And every time, even when it hits you with the sadness and it hits you with the realness, it's there, it's there in life, it's there in the movie, it's always present, but it always finds a way to round you back in and kind of get things back going pretty quick. Uh, I mean, you talked about it earlier, but the fact that this movie did not have any songs nominated for Best Picture to me is nuts. Criminal. Like the, music, the the original music in this movie is so good. It's so good and catchy to the point where I've added it to my Spotify playlist. I haven't listened to it yet. I need to, but it's on there. Like it, I added it. It's so good. It deserves to be on there and it deserves to be heard. Guarantee you a lot of people don't even know what the fuck this movie is. And that's a shame, but <sighs> man alive. It's a good movie. I was looking through the director's filmography. He hasn't done anything since this too, which is a shame. I don't know what's going on with that or him. Maybe he doesn't just make a lot of movies, but I, I hope he makes some sort of follow-up, like not a sequel to this necessarily, but like just something else because all oh, his movies so great. And just, it, it just, it hits you with so many great themes, but there, you know, there's nothing as strong as the obvious, the brotherly love, the family connection there. They kind of hit oh you with throughout the movie. Oh my God. And it's great, you know, so, you know, shout out to my, uh, to my brothers, Jake and Nate. I don't know if you guys are listening to this. God help you if you are, but, uh, you know, I don't always say it, but, uh, I hate you little bastards from the bottom of my heart. Oh my God. It's on Amazon prime right now. Every single person who is listening to this in the U S for the love of God, sink street is on Amazon prime. It was on Netflix for a little bit. And then when they pulled it off, I died a little because there's no way for me to be able to tell people. Yeah, just go watch it. It is on Amazon prime video. Oh my fucking God, please, please give this movie your time. I utterly, adore this movie and if we're gonna talk brothers right i feel like i have to mention this when i showed my wife's sister and her husband this movie by the time they got to the end they're like wait a minute you and your brother aren't exactly on good terms do you love this movie because of the brother connection i was like oh shit you might be right because here's the thing jack trainer in this movie might be my favorite movie brother ever oh he's so like, great that scene where the parents are fighting so he just kind of turns the music up and they just all kind of start fucking around louder together that just hit man i was like you know that's mm, mm, that's well done that that's 
like that i felt something with that scene it was very good dude the movie opens up with the parents yelling him plucking at his guitar and him singing their arguments yeah just that is what this entire movie is this entire movie is basically sadness but willing to stare at it with a smile yeah it's fucking incredible and it's such it's, it's such a selflessness by the brother too because like this entire movie is basically him like telling his brother no you know i fucked up i i fucked up like i've i've missed my boat my chance is gone but you're still young you're still you still have this chance so take it and as stupid as this sounds and and i don't know you, you might laugh at me you might not but mm-hmm. and i never do this i think this is so stupid i hate i hate i hate the the idea that people do this but when i was watching the movie okay i um, okay, overall, love this movie, love this movie. I'm going to do a minor spoiler here. So, well, it's actually a spoiler. So, three, two, one, spoiler, sorry. But I have to do this. They're basically near the end of the movie where he basically is like, I want to go with this girl to England. Like, I want to go. And the brother's like, you, you, when do you want to go? Like, right now? And he's like, like yeah. like Or like or he's like, like when? Or whatever. He's like, yeah, they're like, right now. And he kind of like, there's kind of like that, that split second pause. He's like, yeah, let, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's go. I literally clap my hands and yes. Cheer, yes. And yes. I hate that. I think that's so cringy. No. But I was like, oh my God, I got so caught up in the movie and the emotion of that moment that I loved it. No, dude, the moment for me is when they see the boat. Like, they're going through those rough waves being like, oh, no, things are going bad. No, don't tell me that you've done this entire movie just happy, happy, sad, 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 happy, happy, and then you end on sad. And then when you see the boat, I'm like, yes, yes, they fucking did it. Uh, He's going to become a big star. Yeah, and and that's great. Like, it just ends in a perfect place, too. And and that's the thing. Like, that's the perfect part for me is we don't know what happens. He could become a big star or or maybe he shut up. Stop. Get your fucking ambiguity out of my movie. Get your ambiguity out of my movie. Maybe he gets strung out on coke and then stuff killing (laughs) We don't know, but but it's a perfect ending. And we didn't Oh, no, there's no ambiguity in this movie. It's just a pleasant time, I promise. <laughs> had to get, had to, had to, we're at three hours, so right at the, right at the capping point, I had to throw that. What was your favorite song? Oh, my God. Um, God, I don't know the name, so let me, hold on. Which one was the one I liked? Um, you were standing at your bedroom. Like, Find You is fucking devastating to me i love that song so fucking much but man there are so many songs in this where it's like how is this so good up is always so oh i i think it's i think it's probably i think it's probably drive it like you stole it that's the one i love that song Oh, that song slaps so hard. Oh, mm-hmm. I this one might end up having to get a special episode. I love this movie enough that it it would literally just be just praising this movie for an entire hour. But this movie fucking deserves it. But oh my god, I love this movie so much. And whenever you have Rafina look at um, the main character and just be like, "You're you're happy, sad. You're sad." but you're happy about it. And it's like, that is the movie right there. That is the movie. 
Oh my god! I yeah, it's love this movie, and I want to yeah, watch it again. It, 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 it's it's so great, and obviously there will never be a 4K cut or anything like that for it. Nope. Um, Thanks, Weinstein's. You just had to rape people, and now I get gypped out of my 4K cut. Thanks. You, you did get a very rare, beautiful steelbook, and I'm incredibly jealous of that. Now, now that I've actually seen the movie and give a shit, I'm like, oh damn, now I'm jealous. Funny how that works, eh? But Dude, uh, yeah, oh, gorgeous steelbook is gorgeous. gorgeous I, I, it's that was my Christmas gift. I asked for an eBay gift card so I can finally get this one off the list. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I was shocked, just shocked at how much I liked that movie. I, I kind of, I thought I'd be kind of positive on it because I heard again, it's kind of a coming of coming of age story too in there mixed in there. So definitely had that vibe to it. So I, you know, I knew I'd enjoy it, but I mean, that was near fucking perfection to me it was really good and i will definitely watch it again and it might even go up further so uh great recommendation there ed for sure um and i am glad that we can agree on that one i may not agree on all of the all your top movies there annihilation can go fucking jump off a cliff for all i care but uh, it's okay you got filtered see yeah clearly but uh, no 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 filter for sing street it's just a pleasant movie with some sadness in there but uh, a little bit of happiness too to remind you that uh, even in the worst times there's still something else shitty around the corner. <laughs> the director has done pretty much three move, well, three yeah. other movies. Yeah, he's done much. One is one is the on the watch edge. Mm. Oh no, no, I, I, I'm gonna give them a shot, but I've heard that none of those movies are even close to Probably. what he does yeah. when he does in Sing Street. I doubt it. But uh, on the edge, I think didn't even get released on Blu-ray, so like that's how oh, obscure that is. And then once and a begin again, I haven't really heard anything much about those. But yeah, you know what? Sync Stream is so strong that I'll give them a shot. Sure, why not? I mean, hell, he was able to trick me into liking um, Adam Levine at the very end of Sync Street. Like, how the fuck did you even do that? Because like <laughs> that singing at the end, it's like, oh, my God, this fits perfectly. Fuck you. I hate Adam Levine, but you tricked me. You bastard. Oh, no. dude, that, the problem is, is that if you give me a beautiful shot, you can make me love a song I hate or just an artist I hate. So, damn it. They did it. Uh, yeah, I, I love this movie. Um, we are at two hours and 59 minutes. So I'm going to go ahead and give it four and a half out of five. Sing Street is going to be a it's going to get a special episode at some point and I'll, I'll organize it. But probably after some point that I finish editing that Matrix special episode, it's fucking five hours. OK, like get off my back. I'll, I'll get it done at some point. I'm doing this shit for free. OK, perfect. Hey, look at that. We finished our three hours. Woo. OK, cool. End card. End card. No three hours. No three hours. Hey, look at you. You got to the end of the episode. From episode zero to the day that I finally get lazy and cancel the show, a big thank you to Joey Rawlings for providing the perfect name for the show. Be sure to always give him thanks, either out loud as you're listening to this, or you can just send him a thank you tweet at boogeyman117 underscore. That's boogeyman117, I-E instead of Y, double O. Be sure that it's an underscore, not a dash, 117.